Hey, everybody, and welcome to The Wise Guys. It's Tuesday night. been waiting all day for the show, and now the show is here. Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler is right there. We've been calling Cougar Games and stuff for 31, 32 years, if not longer, together. And so uh, here's second week of our uh, global live stream, and we'd love for you today to uh, let us know where you're streaming from and so we can kind of start to build this largest community of BYU sports fans in the world. That's the plan. And yeah. uh, is it really that many years ago that we started again? Yeah. Can you believe that? Because we both look so young. Yeah. No, I, hey, <laughs> I, I know better than that. Big key to is my nose is better today. The nose is phenomenal. It's like, um, I don't know where you went. I, I don't know if you went to see someone in Vegas, but whatever it is, it's fixed. I, I actually can't believe that it healed it. Like, for those of you that joined us last week, or I uh, didn't you tweet out a picture? I can't remember. Yeah, it, it was almost like a mugshot. It was a bad gash, and I had two black eyes, and I just thought, this is going to be weeks. And uh, I put some special sauce on it during the week, and it healed up. Like, I can't even believe how it healed up. That's that's good. Special sauce is usually something I only get on a big no, I, you know, and, I'm gonna, and I have nothing to do with new skin, but I'm just going to say it right here. I use some, it's called Epic Soul Solutions, which is a foot cream that New Skin makes. So you guys out there, if, if your feet are ever um, messed up and cracked, you put the stuff on and it heals it up in like two days. And I thought, man, my nose looks like my foot on a summer's day. I'm going to put this on for, I put it on for three days and literally the thing's almost gone. Yeah, it looks great. And, and my black eyes, I have a little bit of black eyes, but not not like last no week. No Band-Aid like last it's, week. It's crazy how fast that thing healed up. So I can't be that old because old guys don't heal up that fast. You're, well, you're terribly young. Terribly young. As, and we have the evidence right here, of the status of your nose. All right, so here's what we'd love for you to do is go to the lower right of the window here and click on the purple button that says chat. And um, if you don't have a free Twitch account, you can just get one right there. doesn't cost anything. Again, free is our favorite price. And that will allow you to interact with us uh, all night long on the show. As our old buddy Vi Sikahemi used to say, if it's free, it's for me, and I'll take three. That's what, that was his theme while we were in school. We've had lunch with him before. Yeah, was, and he I, was the I first can... person that ever said that to me. <laughs> if it's free, it's for me, I'll take three. I'll Thank take, you very much. I'll take so, three. So, yeah, it doesn't cost anything to sign up. But if, if you sign up, um, it it's nice because we can um, take your thoughts. You can participate in the chat. You can talk with one another. Uh, we'll follow the chat on our screens. If you, if you have some questions that you have or a topic that you'd love to talk about, um, that's where we're going to hear about it is, is on the chat. So we want you to be part of the show. And certainly you can just click on the video and watch it at ysguys.com. But we'd love to have you be more a part of this. Act, act, be proactive yeah. and, and contribute to, by logging in. And, and how do you do it again? Lower right hand. Lower right hand. You, you, it's a little purple button that says chat. Yep. That takes you where you need to go to get signed and up. And then you with can Twitch. just sign in, and then you're with us. And then you're with so, us, yeah. I was, I was on interesting a... Interesting to see where everybody's from here. We had Corey Yashimuro in yeah. with us last year from... Hong Kong. Or last week from, from Tokyo. Tokyo. From Tokyo. And we had some United Kingdoms. Yep. yep. And uh, we look forward to everybody here settling in for the next couple of hours with us here on The Wise Guys. I was on a radio program earlier tonight talking about our show. And, uh, and the guy said, well, how do you well, – here we are in the last day of May, and there's June and July, and it seems like football's forever away. How do you mark the passage of time to get through it? And I said, well, I, I, I block it down to um, the, the show tonight, and then BYU Football Media Day is June 22nd. Mm -hmm. Stadium of Fire is two weeks later. 
Three weeks after that, after further review, debuts on BYU TV. The following week, August 3rd, the team reports, and then we're in. You basically get through life with milestones. That's yeah, what you do. I just connect so the like, dots. You go from one milestone to the next, and, and then, then the time just, just flies. And, and, I mean, I feel like it's always, it's always football and basketball season somewhere, right? They're, they're yeah. always playing. NBA's still going in basketball. But there's always things being done. The players nowadays work out year-round, regardless of what sport they're in. Yeah. And so why can't, why can't we do it year-round? And we can talk about it year-round because there's things that are happening with all of these sports teams, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, track, golf, you know, women's lacrosse, soccer, you name it. There's something going on. There's some news to talk about every week. And so we, we'll focus on that, and we'll get us um, you know, to, to the start of football season. Summer gets to be a little bit adult. Once the NBA – Finals are yeah, over. Get the dog days. We're starting on the finals this week. Once that's over, you get into kind of the middle of baseball. When when they and I know you love Major League Baseball. But well, they, I love the Cubs. They, they get to the middle of the season, and I start feeling like games don't matter that much. And uh, and I, I that's well, they only that, play I, like I, I call, 158. That's the that's the dog days of of summer. So, hey, Colorado Springs. Hawaii. Yeah, fully Welcome invested to the from Colorado Springs. We got Hawaii. Yes, we're from Honolulu. Aloha. The 3 a.m. pod. Hey, if you're over there I in Hawaii, that. I recommend a virgin lava flow. It's the greatest beverage ever. But if you don't ask for virgin rum, we'll come with it. Yeah. And then you'll have a stomachache, not knowing does why rum, you have a stomachache. Does stomach rum ache. give you a stomachache? <laughs> Do- Dr. Catch 1000's in, uh, in with us. Uh, um, yeah, no, we're excited to have you guys on there. Aloha is right, so... So the last time we were together, we mentioned that um, we had heard that the TV times were going to come out mm-hmm. in the next couple of days, uh, and that happened. And so tonight we're going to spend some time together talking about the schedule and the TV times and the um, locations of those games and a little bit about the games in, in great detail. And, and we encourage you to chime in with us of which game you're looking forward to the most and, and all of that stuff. But before we do that, I wrote an article in the Deseret News earlier this week about uh, where would BYU be without ESPN and where would ESPN be without BYU? Now, granted, the locations remain the same. Yeah. But the mailing addresses never change. But where those two went, uh, and, and Blaine, we go back to September 1st, 1984. You're on the field. It's the first play of scrimmage for BYU at number three, Pitt. All the expectation on Pitt. Mm-hmm. BYU's unranked. First play of the game, Robbie Bosco hands you the ball. You take us through the rest of the play, and then we'll tell you, we'll talk about the significance of that play and, and how it brought us to where we are today. Yeah, we, you know, we knew we had a lot of young guys um, on the offensive side of the ball, really experienced defense. So, so Norm Chow and Mike Holmgren, a couple of names, right? Yeah. Wow. We, you know, we thought we were pretty good in '84. Whenever I look at those plaques on my wall down uh, down in our uh, 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 downstairs room, I look at the coaching staffs and I go, Ah, maybe we weren't that good. Maybe we were really well coached. <laughs> but but Norman, you Mike, guys were good yeah, and well coached. Yeah, Nor- Norman, Mike. Um, Decided to take a little pressure off everybody. We'd catch them with a surprise play in the first play. So we ran um, pro right, which we didn't call it pro. We called it red right, which meant pro formation. Uh, two wide receivers, a tight end, and split backs. Ride 28, halfback pass. Ride 28. So that means that Robbie's going to hand me the ball. I was in as the two back. And how often in practice had you done we, this we, we do We do it. Lots of times you do. Like, did you see the, the play that Corbin just caught the other day? Yeah. Corbin Kafusi caught in that game. I was talking to his dad today, and he's like, 
Corbin's like, it's about time. We've practiced that thing every day for a month. And <laughs> finally threw it to him. So we practiced that thing all during fall camp. Every day we practiced that thing. So now we're on the road against the number three team in the country. Robbie hands it off to me. And, and they said, listen, you've got to sell like you're going to run the sweep. Like you're going to run that ball outside. And everybody come off the ball. The receivers come off on the front side like you're blocking and then release. Yeah. And Glenn Kozlowski was lined up on the left side, and he was going to run a deep post. And we were hoping that the safeties would get out of the middle of the field and come up to support the run, and that Glenn would be able to run in behind him, and then we'd throw it over the top. And they bit just long enough, and I, and I tried to sell the run until the defense was collapsing on me. Then I pulled up and threw the ball over the top of the safety, and Glenn dove out almost flat in the air and came up with a completion. So big play on first down where we were already in Pittsburgh territory on second down. And as I was letting go of the football, two Pittsburgh defenders, one of which was Chris Dolman. We talked about that last week when you were talking about getting pounded. He hit me with the top of his helmet right in the chin. And I had a, oh, like a large steely marble type thing in my chin for about three or four weeks after that. And, uh, and then I didn't realize Chris Dolman was going to be as good as he was. So that was that, I was proud of that hit forevermore. When, well, he, when he was heading up those phenomenal Minnesota Vikings defenses and playing in Pro Bowls and getting ready for the Hall of Fame, I'm like, yeah, that guy smacked me in the chin once. That made you a trivia question uh, or an answer to one as to who completed the first pass on ESPN in their history of live college football, and that was the play. And the reason we bring that up is BYU wins that game. Uh, and then what happened from that day forward, ESPN and BYU had no idea. For one, you won all your games and won the national championship that season. Mm-hmm. ESPN went and became the king of all sports media, and they're still thriving today. And BYU is knocking on the door of the Big 12 because of all that it's accomplished in the years before and after 1984. But um, that was the start of ESPN's relationship with BYU. And what a start for both Turned out pretty good. Yeah, it, it's interesting too because we think of ESPN now, and when we say, "Hey, the game's on ESPN," everybody's like, "Oh, great!" Everybody knows who ESPN is. Everybody knows what the Sports Center is and what the Top Ten is uh-huh. and the Not Top Ten is and all of that. But but I remember telling friends back home in New York, "Hey, we're opening up back in, in Pitt, so if you guys can come down, come down because it's not that far." But but if not, we're going to be on national television on this on this ESPN thing. Yeah. And, and it was a thing. It, it, it was, was like, what? It was like, it was like this ESPN this thing. thing. And they're like, ESPN, what is that? Yeah. And I says, it's it's a, it's been kind of a regional, but it's going to be, they're going to do, it's national television. It's going to be an all sports network, and they're just launching it. Um, and, and it was their first foray. They had been doing some other things, but it was their first Division One college football game. And uh, how about the fact that the very first game, they have the eventual national champ in their yeah. very first game. And so, so it worked out great. It wasn't long before everybody knew who ES, ESPN was, right? And now they're the the uh, undisputed heavyweight champion of the world in terms of sports programming. Is and ESPN. kids learning the alphabet, they just skip A and they just go to ESPN yeah. and, and go. What's interesting to me is that prior to 1984, when you look at all the greats at BYU, Steve Young, just back it up, Steve Young, Jim McMahon, Mark Wilson, uh, Gary Scheide, throw in Danny Ainge. None of their careers on ESPN. Isn't that crazy? Whereas today, every single thing's on ESPN. And, and he, I have to wonder, as, as good as those guys that you just talked about were, you know, Danny Ainge was the National Player of the Year. Um, and had he been on ESPN with the reach that it has now every game, 
he would have been a household name like Jimmy Fredette. Yeah. Right? And and what about all those great quarterbacks? You know, you go all the way back to Virgil Carter. Virgil Carter probably didn't play on television, right? But Virgil's a great player and a pro. And then and Gary Scheide, who's a good friend of ours and, and who you wrote a beautiful article on. Um, Gary would have been more of a household name. But certainly, when BYU went on that run, where you go from Giff to Mark to Steve to, to Robbie to like, and we're talking about three straight first round draft picks. People are gonna go, well, Steve Young wasn't drafted in the first round. Yeah, he was the number one pick in the USFL draft. If he had decided not to go to the USFL, he would have been the number one pick in the NFL draft. Right. Um, so he would have been the highest player ever drafted in BYU history. But those guys would have been e- even more well known than they were. Um, and, and BYU, I mean, I remember being back in New York and watching Mark Wilson against San Diego State on an ABC game. So ABC, you know, it was the networks is where he got, and BYU didn't play on the networks that often, no. but on an ABC game, starting off the game against San Diego State for three for three for three touchdowns. And so they did get some exposure and, and everybody was going, who is this BYU? And they're throwing the ball all over the place. Yeah. Had ESPN been around during the days of Giffen, Mark, and Steve? A lot more people would have known about Lavelle Edwards in the forward pass. Well, so on September 1, 2010, BYU announces they're going to go independent, and they announce uh, an eight-year ESPN deal, money to fund football and the entire athletic department. But would BYU have even thought of going independent if ESPN wasn't next to them? There's no way they could have done it. They had to have a television partner that believed in them for, for a couple of reasons. The reason to go independent was because BYU felt like there were two things wrong being in the conference they were in. The first was exposure. To, to get the word out and to build the programs they wanted to, they felt like they had to have exposure. And exposure means national television exposure, and they just weren't getting it yeah. in the Mountain West Conference. The second thing was revenue. They had to have television revenue to try to compete with the P5s, as we call them today. You had to increase the revenue, and the revenue share in the old league, because they weren't on national television every single solitary week was significantly less. And so the only way they could do what they did to go into independence was they had to have a business partner. And that business partner was ESPN who they'd been with kind of hand in hand since 1984. Um, and, and ESPN provided BYU with the backbone, the financial resources, the exposure. And then the thing that we never really thought about was how are you going to schedule games as an exactly. independent? You had to have a partner with the weight of ESPN to be able to go and say, hey, Michigan State, we really want you to play BYU. We're going to pay this, and we're going to set this game up, we're going to put it in prime time on national television. Um, And I'm I'm talking Michigan State and Wisconsin. We're going to go over some of those. Yeah, but all of these big-name schools, there's no way they play BYU um, unless there was some national exposure involved. The games were going to be on national television. So, So ESPN provided those three things and then some. And BYU never could have done it without that. Shout out to Leighton, Utah, St. George, some Provoites here as folks starting to log in and stream with us. Yeah, Bosco to Haysburg for the win on a post route. Yeah. Idaho Hurst. Thanks for remembering that game back at Pitt. I thought one of the cool things for BYU TV and ESPN in the relationship is, is ESPN allowed BYU TV to replay their games. Remember, we used to do side-by-sides, and after the ESPN game, we'd do our post-game show, then you and I would call the BYU game. And that, then we started thinking, well, why are we doing that? ESPN will let us air their game, minus the commercials, and then allow you and me to be on the pre- and post-game shows. We kind of shifted 
to that. But it's one thing that the Mountain never allowed BYU to do was put even replayed games on BYU TV, which had such a greater global reach than the Mountain. Right. And so finally BYU is like, that's it. We can't even show a replay of our volleyball team on our own station that goes everywhere. And, and so ESPN was like, sure, our home games that we do, you can have once we're off the air, and then some of the road games they've done too. Well, and early on, but before BYU went into independence, ESPN was the one that said, yeah, if you want to do a side-by-side with us and have Dave and Blaine call the game or Jay Monson in the old days yeah. with you on the sidelines, go ahead and do it. And uh, and so we, we would do those games. And then BYU had those games for the archives. So, you know, we do this... Um, on, on BYU TV, sometimes we'll have that summer like football festival where every week there's a marquee game that's played, and people are like, "Did you? I didn't remember you called the Miami game." Well, I did call the Miami game, right? Because yeah. we did a side by side, and then BYU was able to keep that game that we called for the archives. The games that you and I did over in Hawaii, well, we did UNLV games over there yeah. too, but um, you know, where we had to climb a fence and crawl through a ditch to get to the game on time. To it was a traffic situation. We were a little late. We abandoned our car, <laughs> climbed a fence, and went through a ditch to get to the game. But all of those games are now in the archive. And so now we can pull out that San Diego State game where, where Ty Detmer went head-to-head with Marshall Falk. And and those games are in the archive because ESPN allowed that. Then, they, then BYU got into the mountain, uh, into the Mountain West Conference, and they said, well, you can't. You can't do the side-by-sides. You can't replay the games. You can't do that. That was a sore spot for BYU for a long time. You know, I had a, I was down giving a tour to a visiting recruit for the basketball team a few weeks ago. And um, and we talked about this earlier. But uh, And I think he signed, by the way. I'm not sure if he has. has okay, he? we better not talk about it. We still got to figure out if we can do that. Yeah, right? we're still going to. But uh, so here's this kid and his family, and they come in to BYU TV, and I'm thinking, well, what can I do to – you know, Saturday, building's dead. There's nothing to show them except here's where Blaine and I work. Right. It's really envisioned chaos. That's where we're at. But uh, so I sat his family down on the couch, and I said, hey, pull out your phones. You know, everyone has a phone these days. I said, go to the App Store. And they go to the App Store. I go, search for BYU TV. And they search for that. I, I go, okay, now download that. It's free. And so they downloaded. I go, you got it? Yeah, and then I held my phone up to his mom, and I said, you can now watch your son play live anywhere in the world right here on your phone on this BYU TV app. She's like, oh, that's kind of cool. He's like, what? And and then, I, and then I had him pull up our San Diego State game we called last year. I said, that's a big game. Search for that one. We did the search. Pops up. I go, now just push play. Push play and we're on. Yep. And he's like, dang, there's Jimmer games on here? Oh, yeah. And Jimmer I said, games. I said, and someday if you choose to play here, uh, you can pull up your phone and show your kids – that you actually played basketball at BYU. And I thought, you know what? One, I guess it's like I planted a virus in their phone because I gave them the they, – they left with something on their phone. But just the idea of, hey, every game you play in, right here. Yep, that, right there. That, that, that means something and, to these and, kids. And here's the nice part because the way recruiting is like basketball especially, Dave, where, where basketball has become such an international recruiting thing. Uh, you think, think, how did Mark Few build the – the juggernaut that Gonzaga is. Well, he started by recruiting Australia, New Zealand, and then Eastern Europe, and 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 then BYU's had a bunch of international players. You, you think about they've got kids from the con- continent of Africa now that are playing. Guess what? The, the games that we do, and we do a bunch of games every year. The games that we do, they could go or any home game because we'll, we'll log those too. They can go onto the BYU TV app and watch it live. So you and I are calling a game, and Fusa's parents 
want to watch the game. Moose's parents can watch the game wherever they are. It's amazing technology and having ESPN and BYU together moving into independence has been a big deal. Now, Apollo Burns is asking you, Blaine, I'm guessing there's a Big 12 network. Will we have more freedom with that network than we did with the Mountain? And good question. That is a good question. And you want to know what? The the Big 12, they, they let Texas have their own network. Yeah. And certainly they're aware of what BYU is capable of. Now, I will say... Um, the WCC, there wasn't football in the WCC because BYU is an independent, but the WCC did a great job of partnering with BYU TV. Yeah. And, and hey, we were we did the first, well, all the way through the semifinals on the women's side in the WCC tournament, and we do through the quarterfinals on the men's side and originate those games for all of the WCC's broadcast partners. And, and the Big 12 was, they've been out, they've been watching that, they've toured the studios, they understand the capability, there are conversations going on. And I, I just, we don't have anything in writing yeah. at this point, but I think the Big 12 is, it looks at that and goes, okay, this isn't like the Longhorn Network. No. Longhorn this- Network was pay-per-view, and it was a sports network. BYU TV is already in just about everybody's home throughout the Midwest. They just don't know what channel it is yet because they haven't had a reason to go there. Right. Well, when their team plays there, that's reason enough. Yeah, You would think that the, the Big 12 would take a good hard look and look at that resource and the distribution that BYU TV has on Dish Network Direct, cable systems all over the United States, Dish and Direct all over the world, and live streaming ability, that there be some type of partnership that would allow BYU TV to do some things. And not maybe not just BYU stuff. Yeah. Maybe expand that and do some other things like BYU TV was able to do for the WCC. So that's all still... To be discussed. And one um, thing we've done at BYU TV is there's now so much side programming that we create, whether it's after further review, countdown to kickoff, uh, Sports Nation, which is the daily show, uh, and and the potential for so much more there that uh, that we're gonna be we're gonna be in deep no matter what. Yeah, and and there's a Big Ten network. Is there a Big 12 network? I, I don't think, think there, there is, is a Big, Big 12, 12 network. network. Not like uh, there not, was not a, like the Pac-12 network and the Big 10 network, ACC where, they, network. where they an ACC network. The Big 12 doesn't have TV no, Big, markets. Big 12, um, you know, they had their they have their television partners. Fox is a television partner. ESPN is yeah. a television partner, um, and ESPN is the whole Disney family, right? So, um, so it, yeah, it's it, it'll be interesting to see how that. When you, when you talk about TV markets, you've got Dallas, Houston coming in with Houston, although they're probably there for, for the Longhorns. Kansas City maybe for Kansas. Uh, that's it. Utah will come in actually as one of the larger TV markets in the Big 12 just by showing up. BYU's already going to have the biggest stadium once Oklahoma and Texas leave, both for basketball and football. And, and so they're getting, you know, to the Midwest, they might go, well, we're getting BYU from way out in Utah. They're getting one of the bigger media markets in the Big 12, charging in with everything else. So, and then, and then the other thing they're getting is BYU is a national brand, and and ESPN's known that for a long, long time. That's why that's why ESPN's been such a great business partner, and and BYU has some of the highest rated games every year for ESPN. And part of it's because they played such an exciting brand of football for so many years. Yeah. People are flicking through and they're going, "Oh, I'll watch BYU. They're going to throw it all over the place." Like, this will be fun to watch. And people would tune in. And BYU has a national following, uh, much more than a lot of schools in the Pac-12 or a lot of schools that are currently in the Big 12. When they announced that they were going independent and they announced the ESPN deal, the great Lavelle Edwards was there. We were all there as well in the band room at, at the Cougar Stadium 
uh, Lavelle Edwards Stadium because it was the only room big enough for, for what we were doing that day. Anyway, Lavelle said this quote, We started throwing the football before anyone else did, and so that right away created a lot of excitement. ESPN was a new company, and we were kind of the new kids on the block. We just kind of grew up together that way, and we're going to talk about some games along the way that talk about what you said. But then Dave Brown had an interesting quote. Yeah, and, D- and Dave Brown, who is the the v- VP of programming at ESPN at the time, and, and I'll tell you, a lot of credit goes to Dave for being such a phenomenal business partner with BYU. A, kind of a pioneer. Yeah. And, and here's what here's what what Dave said. He said, we have had a great relationship with BYU over the years, thanks in part to Lavelle Edwards, who gave us so many signature games in the past that really put ESPN on the map in terms of being a college football destination network. So Dave Brown and the ESPN brass recognized that people tuned into BYU because the brand of football was just so fun to watch and they they would get great numbers. And then they could go out and get ad revenue from it because they had great numbers. And so this was good for ESPN too, and and, and I love that. I don't mean ESPN two, meaning ESPN two. I mean ESPN also. Also, and they do have a two. Uh, yeah, they do have a two and a U <laughs> and a news and yeah. a. But uh, but Dave Brown, it, it can't be understated what a great business partner and visionary Dave Brown was, and this whole ESPN BYU partnership through Independence. When I was a student. Uh, in 1990, I got this job at Good Morning America as a reporter. And I'm back there on my first day, and they're having a party at the top of some skyscraper in Manhattan. All I'd seen of New York is what was on NYPD Blue. So you can imagine <laughs> all my uh, insecurities and me. there. And me. And you. But um, so we're having this big dinner, and I'm starving, and, and everyone knows I'm the BYU guy. And I don't know what doesn't have alcohol in it and stuff. And so I'm just kind of <laughs> watching food go by. And this kid appears out of nowhere, and he comes up and he goes, are you the BYU guy? I go, yes. He goes, let me show you what you can eat. And he starts pulling food off trays that are coming through. He goes, you can't have that. That's That's got that in it. This, you can have this, this, and this. He gets me a, a plate of food, and he goes, hang on, I'll be right back. He comes back with a glass of milk. <laughs> Everyone else drinking champagne. And so I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here, and I look at this guy, and I said, uh, are, you, uh, are you Mormon? And he goes, No. I'm from New Jersey. Like that is a disclaimer. <laughs> I'm from New, New Jersey? Jersey. He goes, Come on. but I watch your football team. I stay up and watch your football team every night, every Saturday night. They are fun to watch. And that kind of reminded me when you said that is this brand of football, even back then, was fun to watch. And it was different from the others. It, it was really good. Hey, and by the way, the question that we said we don't think, um, so is it Apollo Burns um, that kind of looked it up um, and, uh, and said that he looked it up. The Big 12 Network stopped running in 2014 and all broadcasting went over to ESPN. So there you go. So, Apollo, thanks for doing the research for us. We, we've, we knew that we hadn't seen anything in recent years. Um, so, uh, so that was a great, uh, it was a good question. And it also, um, we appreciate you providing the answer and do a little yeah, bit of research. We'll see where us. that goes. Tom Homo back then on that day talked about access and exposure were really the two pillars of why we marched into independence. And, and again, in a few minutes, we're going to go over the new schedule coming up with all the TV info. But uh, access and exposure, mission accomplished. No, no question about it. And, and as I mentioned, it's, it's funny. It, I look at the Pac-12 as, as a for instance, and you, you taught in the Pac-12. And, and every, I think it, you know and the people that, that watch us know I grew up in New York. And so I have family back there still. All my friends that I grew up with are back there. And they have zero interest in anyone in the Pac-12 except for USC and when Oregon's really good. Yeah. So those are the two brand names there. They don't follow, like, 
They don't even care what Washington State's doing or Oregon State's or Utah. doing. Or, or Utah's doing. No, you're right. They don't. Um, once in a while, when Utah's really going to rank the top five, they're like, wow, could this be a Cinderella? Because they don't realize how good they've been because they just don't follow them. Yeah. But, but And not just because I was there. People know who BYU is back there. They know they know what they represent. They know that that they brought the passing game to college football. They know they've played on national TV a bunch, and they know that they've had great quarterbacks. Um, that article a couple weeks ago that we referenced last week that talked about BYU and, and drafted quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean they they're right up there. You know, at, at one of the top in the history of college football for providing quarterbacks to the NFL. Everybody knows that, and of course. I feel like Gifford Nielsen and Mark Wilson and Jim McMahon, but especially Steve Young, put BYU on the map by going to the National Football League and being the MVP and playing that quarterback position and being a Hall of Famer, and now he's got the job with ESPN. Um, and Danny Ainge did a lot for BYU by playing professional baseball with the Blue Jays and then going to the Celtics and winning world championships and coaching um, with the Suns and, and being the GM of the Celtics. The, the big-name players for BYU have stepped up big, so ESPN gave them the exposure. They got their names up there. And then they've stepped up big and performed, as have the teams. Now, all of a sudden, you've got a national brand. And that's what it takes. And and what does BYU have that a lot of those schools don't have? They have a Heisman Trophy winner. I'm just, let's just talk football. They have a Heisman Trophy winner. They have two Outland Trophy winners. They have a Dave, they have multiple Davey O'Brien Award winners. They have a Doak Walker Award winner. They, they you know So they have all of the major awards. They also have a national championship in football. And in basketball, they've got... Uh, National Player of the Year. And and during Jimmer's time, I mean, Jimmer was like a rock star. There was nobody in the United States that didn't know who Jimmer Fredette was when he was at BYU. He, he, he caught the imagination of everyone in the country. And so, you know, BYU's marquee players have done their part to further that image for BYU and make them a national brand. That's why when the Big 12 was going, all right, Texas and Oklahoma are out. They're going to the SEC. Um, this time during Independence... The big-time name, the following, all of that all came into play. And if you didn't have any one of those components, if anyone was missing, if the ESPN deal over time had been missing, or if they didn't have great players that they could lean on, if, if in football Lavelle hadn't decided to go with a forward pass and bring BYU into the forefront and beat big teams, it wouldn't have been a no-brainer. It was a no-brainer. I think they had to think about it about five minutes and then went, well, we got to get BYU. Let's just start in a with, week. In a week, just, they let's were just in. start with BYU. And we're excited about it. July first, twenty twenty-three. The first Big Twelve football schedule is coming out uh, in October, right in the middle of uh, the last season as an independent. All that stuff is is coming, which is going to be cool. We put a list together of the greatest BYU ESPN games over the years, with a couple of ABCs. Yeah, in because there. ABC and ESPN are tied together. Yeah, and, and that deal. Um, starting just a little bit before Independence and then and then taking us through. So we're going to talk about them and, and think of some and stream them to us as to what you think might be. Maybe we forgot one. Um, a or lot for, of these. Or, or if you have a memory about one, one of these. I have a yeah. memory about pretty much every one of these. Games. A lot of these we, we announced. We, because we called a bunch of these. <laughs> but uh, there's, there, there's one. I think there's only one on here that I didn't call or maybe two. But I watched them. So let's go back to 1989 is the holiday bowl in San Diego. We, we did the side by side. So it was on ESPN and then, and then it was on um, BYU TV after that. But uh, Penn state wins 50 to 39 Detmer's driving the Cougars down to win the game. And then this guy comes through, grabs the ball from Ty 
and runs like 60 yards for a touchdown. That's why they, they won it 50 to 39. It was much closer than that. Was it, it was like 39-43 or 44 at the time. And they're driving to go and win the game. They couldn't stop Ty. No. Like after the game, Joe Paterno said, I've seen some great quarterbacking performances in my time. That's the best quarterback performance I've ever seen. Joe Pa said that in the postgame conference. I'm like, okay, that's that's saying something because he saw he played against some of the greatest that ever played. I went and interviewed that kid that stole the football away from Ty because I wrote a side story for the Daily Herald. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was just talking to me, coming around the end, and there's Detmer, and the football's right there, and I just grabbed it and just ran as fast as I could. And that was the game decider. But, uh, but what it did was, for ESPN, it was like the most exciting bowl game of the season. You got mighty Penn State, you got... BYU and a guy who's going to win the Heisman. He doesn't know it yet, but he's going to win the Heisman the next year. And so I I had that at the top of the list starting this relationship in 1989. And then, of course, in 1990, the national championship game, the second game of the season. We'll call it the national championship game. It's not the national championship game. It was the Heisman Trophy game. That's right. That's the game that Ty won the Heisman Trophy and by beating number one Miami 28-21 to in 1990. You were on the call. I was watching in Colorado Springs because we broadcasted the Air Force game earlier in the day. That's right. That's when we were doing a big bunch of networks at the time, and you and I were off doing games all over. But I had that game. Yeah. And the whole world's watching because they're watching Miami because they're number one. But Ty and the Cougars stuff them. And this is when Miami was on a roll. Yeah. And, you know, there have been times, like, let, let's admit it. When we beat Pitt back in 1984 to open the season, they were number three at the time. But they faded during that season. They had injuries, and they, they ended up not being a great football team. That Miami team ended up, were they three? Three. The and then they the won it the next year, right? Yeah, and then they won it the next year. <laughs> and it, and they just won it, like, the previous year the year before. This was a Miami team on a roll. So that that's probably the best win in BYU history. And, and a lot of people... No, the the Rock was at that game, but he was injured and he didn't play. That's he was right. a defensive lineman for the Hurricanes. And and you know, the play that I remember from that game, like no other, is when Ty dropped back to pass and the both ends and they had two all American defensive ends. I'm trying to remember, was it Russell Maryland and whoever the other one was, I can't remember. But they were they were they had NFL guys at every position. Yeah. They were coming off the edges and they were gonna meet at Ty Detmer and crush him. <laughs> and and at the very last second, I still I'd love to go watch this play because it's almost like he just felt them coming, didn't look at him, and just stepped up and they collided one with another, and he stepped up and threw a touchdown pass. Yeah, and, and one of the best plays in the that most might have won him the Heisman. T- right Ty there. Detmer had the most uncanny feel in the pocket and and eyes where he's looking over here, and then he steps up and he just throws the ball over there, and it's a complete. It, it was amazing. That stadium that night is the most electricity I've ever felt in that stadium. And it, it it was off the charts from the start to the finish. I do have to say in that Arizona State game. That was pretty good, too. That Arizona State game when Tyler knocked the ball out. Yeah. At the end of that game, when Arizona State had multiple false starts because that student section down there was so loud, that might have matched the, the loudness of that Miami night. We, we were standing there on the sidelines of the Arizona State game. Dave Nixon was with me. I was screaming in his face, and he couldn't hear what I was saying. And, oh, that was nuts. Uh, so, so that was that's the next best environment. But I, th- I think Miami to this day is the best environment I've ever seen in that stadium. It was amazing. And a, a perfect night, and it translated into great television for ESPN. And, I again, I had friends back in New York and family back in New York going, oh, my gosh, you could feel the electricity 
on the television. That's what ESPN loved. Yeah. They're in Provo, Absolutely. which is one of the most scenic stadiums in, in the world with that backdrop of the mountains for a game where number one goes down and the electricity in the stadium you can feel through the television. That's why ESPN loved BYU. How about 1991 for a big ESPN game? BYU is down at San Diego State. The Aztecs have a chance to actually win the championship, the conference championship, go to their first Holiday Bowl, which has been in their own stadium this whole time. This was this was their moment. Marshall Falk was running all over the place. But BYU rallies to tie San Diego State 52-52. to It denies the Aztecs, and the Cougars clinch the title the next week when they beat Utah at home. But 52-52, to talk about a wild ESPN game. I'll just remember, I just remember a couple things. First of all, BYU could not stop Marshall Falk. No. And, and or Dante Scott, I think was the receiver. Darnay Scott. Darnay Scott. Darnay Scott. Yeah. Um, and, and I remember um, uh, our defensive backs um, saying, you know what, we're pretty fast, but but we've never had a guy where we felt like we had the angle and he just ran away from ran away. Derwin Gray, who can run with anybody, and the Reverend Gray, yeah. who, who was an NFL level, I remember talking to him right after the game and him going, I've never seen anything like that. His acceleration's just like off the charts. And, you know, he, he pretty much proved that his acceleration was off the charts because that dude was even faster than everybody when he played at the next level in the NFL. The other thing I remember about that game is I was broadcasting that game as well. It was exhausting because there was so much offense and back and forth. And that we showed up and for some reason our spotter that we had contracted didn't show up for the game. And what the spotter does, if, if you don't know, and if any of you guys, maybe, you know, maybe we have a contest for somebody to come spot for us one game. <laughs> spot for us for a game. But, no, um, it's no easy job. No, it's not an easy job. And you might think twice before you want it. But um, so, so Dave, as a play-by-play guy, would have a set of boards that would have all of the two and sometimes the three deep of players um, that are listed on that board with some things about their bios and some stats and that kind of stuff with big numbers all over the board on the offense and defense. And and for a play-by-play guy and for the analyst, it's easy to see um, who gets the ball or who they're throwing because you can kind of see who's lined up. You know, you look down and we know the team's well enough and we've stuttered enough to go, okay, John Beck's at quarterback. Look, he's got Harleen at tight end here. He's got, you know, and you know, Curtis Brown's yeah, in the backfield. You know who's on the field. So it's easy for Dave to say, hey, Beck hands off to Curtis Brown, who's right up the middle, right? But it gets so crowded around where the tackle's made that the spotter's job is to do nothing but focus on who makes the play. Who broke up the pass? Who makes the tackle? Who's the first guy to the ball? And he stands either with a pointer, a laser pointer, a stick, or his finger, whatever, the play-by-play guy, um, and and he or she, and they have to point to whoever made the play. Hopefully this, it's the right person. Or And they'll and we have a set of si- signals. Like, they'll point to somebody and go, and we'll know, oh, that's the guy that forced him to throw the ball out. And then they'll go, point to another name and go, okay, that's the guy that broke it up. And so then Dave can say, that pass broken up by such and such. So we have help up there. In the booth. So, I remember one time my brother was helping spot, and uh, there's a play and this and that, and we're, and, and, and we're getting nothing from him. And I turn around, <laughs> he's just staring at watching the game from the top of the stadium. I'm like, hey. Hey, dude. We're working you here. You got a job. So, oh, okay. You Sorry. had one job. He, right? got, yeah, he had one job. Well, the, our spotter didn't show up for that San Diego State game, and Brenda, my wife, was in the booth. And we just all looked and turned around to Brenda, and we go, honey, you got, you got a spot. Tell me what to do. We gave her all the hand signals. We told her what to do. We got to halftime, and she said, I may never forgive you for this ever the rest of my life. And then at the end of the game, which was 
it may have been the craziest game I've ever called to have to spot anyhow. Yeah. And she just says, I'm exhausted. I have a headache. I've never watched every single play that intently in a football game ever in my life, nor has anyone for that matter. Yeah. And she goes, I never, ever want to do that again. She hated it. And that, it's tough. I, it's it's I, not watching a game, that's for sure. It was a crazy game, but that this is my shout-out to all the spotters that, and statisticians and all the folks all. that we're saluting you because – that is not an easy job. And try a 52-52 tie where Ty Detmer's going nuts. And he's answering every single time uh, our, you know, every single time San Diego State gets a score, they go over the top to Darnay Scott or Marshall Falk takes off on a long run. Ty Detmer just has an answer every time. It was unbelievable. Detmer told me, and I wrote an article about it recently, he told me that the quarterback for San Diego State was crying after the game. And Ty was out consoling him there at the center of the field. And he's like, he's, he's going, I don't know why he's crying. They didn't lose. No one... No one won. It was a tie, but it was so devastating to San Diego State because they had the, they controlled their own destiny and it slipped away from them. Yep. On that yep. night of wild TV, how about 1996 ABC ESPN the WAC championship game down in Vegas in overtime? You got BYU and you got Wyoming, and we'll talk about the Cowboys a little bit later too. But uh, two really good teams, two teams in the top 20, and uh, it goes into overtime and with. The winner, BYU, getting to go to the Cotton Bowl. And these are two teams that were really good on offense. Yeah. Um, and, and we're both throwing the ball all over the place at the time. Um, this is the Steve Sarkeesian, Shad Lewis. You know, uh, that that team, um, Atula Mealy has injured at, at that point. At the end of the year, got injured in that Washington game. But, but uh, unbelievably talented group. Um, and I remember that defense, particularly Omar Morgan and Tim McTire at the corners who were just locked on guys. But 28-25, with how good these two defenses were in an overtime game, um, tells you how good these defenses were because nobody else could stop these two teams. Yeah, and the fans during, stormed the field. Games. It was it just was, high drama. Uh, it was, in, and it launched BYU into the Cotton Bowl. Yeah. So it was a big, big game. It went 14-1 and that year, yeah. ranked 6th or 7th in the final, number 5 maybe, the final four. Yeah, yeah it was It was an amazing, that was a great shootout game and a great, and again, you know, you got what your money's worth if you're if you're the TV partner and you got that game which came down to the wire again and and an overtime win for the, for the Cougs. We're running down our list of the uh, best ESPN slash BYU games uh, in, in school history as we get ready to roll out uh, the schedule coming up starting in uh, in September. How about 2000, Lavelle's last game? At oh. Utah on ESPN and Brandon Doman with that dramatic comeback and all that went into Lavelle winning that last one. Yeah, it's – we were all – I'm not so sure that Utah wasn't rooting for Lavelle on that one because how do you not like Lavelle Edwards? It's like if you're a BYU fan, how do you not like Ron McBride back in those days, right? Yeah. And then how do you not like Lavelle? Lavelle's last game, and uh, and of course, like every Utah game, it's it's back, it comes down to the wire and big plays had to be made, deep throws over the top and fourth down, and, and conversions on big third downs, and, and BYU wins 34-27. Then you go the next year – and the excitement of a sold-out Lavelle Edwards Stadium and BYU with Doman and Staley. Oh, man. Come from behind with that. I don't know what happened on the run play. Doman rolls to his right, pitches to Staley. He doesn't get touched for 30 yards into the end zone. And it's like every defender on Utah's team had to know Luke Staley was going to get the football. We, we knew, right? Everybody <laughs> knew. It, Luke, like Marshall Falk, um, and, I, and I remember talking to Kyle Whittingham about, about this, about Luke Staley, and – 
there's every once in a while there's a freak of nature that plays running back that's big and strong like Luke. And think about it. Luke was like 6'1", 6'2", 225, 228 pounds. So he could run right over the top of you. Strong, physical. And his legs, his calves were crazy. He was amazing. Yeah. But he also had the acceleration where where this is a guy that ran the state 100-meter dash finals in the state of Oregon and could just run away from people. He's a 4'4 guy. And so you would miss, like, you would try to play him inside out um, so you were in at a good angle so that if he cut back, he didn't just run over you. And then you would underestimate how fast he was. He'd put the foot in the ground. He'd, He'd turn the corner, and he would just outrun the angles. And and people are just like those DBs and the backers are just going, somebody that big is not supposed to be able to run that fast. You just you could never judge the angle, and that's why he was so good. And then then what would happen is you'd get in the game and he'd outrun you to the corner, you know, turn the corner a couple times. Go, well, I'm going to have to take a more severe angle. And so on your pursuit angle, you'd take an angle further down the field. Then he'd just put his foot in the ground and cut back. You'd stick your arm out, and he'd run right over the top of you. He was phenomenal player. If Luke Staley stays healthy, because remember he had a couple of injuries his senior mm-hmm. year, never could get healthy. If Luke Staley's 100% healthy, his skill set is a Pro Bowl running back. He's He was a Pro Bowl caliber back. Size, speed, vision, all of that. And he's just, it's a shame that his body wouldn't hold up because he's one, you know, one of the best that, that's ever come through BYU at any position. Hey, if you're watching us on uh, wiseguys.com, uh, just click on the purple button there at the uh, bottom lower right of the window here, and that'll hook you up with Twitch, and you can sign up right there. It's free, and then you can get on here and interact with us all the time. So, and then, and then, uh, and then you can tell us some, some things that you want. Like I'm, a, what is that? I'm a millionaire. <laughs> Except for I'm a millionaire, H-E-I-R, right? Um, you know, says hey. Can, can we have audience participation again at Countdown to Kickoff this fall, please? I'm not sure if we're going to have that. We'll let Pizza, you know. Cookies and football. He said, talk to Jerem. We'll talk to Jerem Jordan and the gang uh, that that, uh, that does that. We got away from it because of, because of COVID. And so we couldn't pack a bunch of people into studio audience during COVID. We love it yeah. um, when there's a studio audience. And, and, and we love it when you all show up because... Frankly, when you've got an audience in the studio and we're doing an hour or sometimes a two-hour pregame, you guys bring energy to us. So we'd love to have you in there. I, I can tell you, if they're, if we vote on it, Dave and I and Dave Nixon, we'll all vote to have you guys um, we, you know, to, to do to be there with us. That, that's for sure. We'll bring it up with them. So. A question came in is how to get those boots over and your shoulder. Ones? Yeah, I... I uh... I don't know if you can get those boots, but look at these. These are beauties. These babies are... DJ, can you get this, brother? Maybe... Uh, these are limited edition. <laughs> so, um, these are limited edition, and, and I think... You might be able to find some down in Fort Worth uh, when we start playing TCU. Jack, what brand are these? Do you know? These are a hot item. Oh, on Etsy. So, so Jack says we found these on, on, on Etsy. And uh, I'm telling you, these are something right here. But this is the kind you can't wear these under your jeans. Like you can't pull your no, cut jeans. You got to wear shorts or something. No, you tuck the you tuck your pants into these <laughs> is what you do. That those are classic. All right, 19. Uh, let's go to 2004. Uh, a lot of us forget about who's quarterback in 2004. Well, Matt Berry was Notre Dame came to Provo on ESPN and BYU beat them 20 to 17. This was a credibility game for like Notre Dame is arguably I don't know what would you say are they the biggest name in college football? Yeah, still. Yeah, 
I mean, they're not the best in college football, but they're the, they're, I think they're, they're the biggest I think name. Like we talked about it last week, it's the only team in the country that probably going to outdraw BYU and Vegas. You know, this next season in October, yeah. they're they're a household name, not just here but over in in Europe. Their history is unquestionably the most decorated in college football history, and they. Even though Michigan's won the most games. So they roll in here. They're not ranked, but they're still Notre Dame. And that was a big win for Credibility. BYU. It's credibility for BYU that they could play with the big boys. And that was a big game. And as you mentioned, Matt Berry, the quarterback. And you know Matt's gone on to have a great business career. Works in like med tech and does great things. And and uh, um, But uh, that was a big time win. And everybody's like, whoa. And it doesn't matter whether Notre Dame's ranked or not. The fact that BYU beat Notre Dame... Is a headline, and everybody talks about BYU and credibility as a result, right? Yeah. Now, John Beck's the quarterback in 2006 on another big ESPN night for BYU against number 21 Oregon, and they just smacked them around 38-8 to in the Las Vegas Bowl. The thing I remember about that game is I my, it was jaw-dropping. I just went, this. how is this happening? Oregon's ranked. They're supposed to be the, you know, one of the top two elite programs in the Pac-12. They have all these resources. It's the Nike team, right? Yeah. Even though BYU is the Nike team as well. But right. it wasn't close ever from the start. Can I say crap on this show, Jack? Can I say crap on this show? DJ, is yeah, it okay for me to say crap? Yeah. Since I just said it three times, I guess I can. <laughs> okay, Jack says I can Thanks, say crap. Dude. So BYU beat the living crap out of Oregon in that game. It wasn't close. Yeah. They physically ma- they mauled them. Place was jammed, Sam Boyd Stadium, full of BYU fans. It was a cold night, but the team just just mopped them up. Yeah, I actually think I can say crap on regular network television too. Probably too. Yeah, probably, probably can. can. So there are a few versions of that. They but stay I'm, glad, I'm glad I got permission though. So so 2009. Now BYU on ESPN is going to play number three Oklahoma. In Dallas, first college game in Jerry's new stadium where the Cowboys play. There's like 80% Sooner fans to 20% BYU fans, and that that might be it might be 90 to 10, but we think it was 80-20. And then BYU beats them 14 to 13, and it's another dramatic finish, a drive at the game at the end of the game for a touchdown. Then Oklahoma drives and misses a field goal, and ESPN's got another one going. Glad we had that one. Here we go, right? And and that place, I remember that was kind of the grand opening for college football in Jerry Jones' place, yeah. right? And let's face it, Norman's not that far from Dallas. No. And a lot of Oklahoma fans drove down. And I think there's some Oklahoma fans up in the panhandle of Texas. I hate to say it. I know you served your mission, and nobody will admit it. I think they're it, there. I think but they're, they're there. there. Yeah. They're there up in the panhandle of Texas. <laughs> and and you, you can argue with me on that, but I think they're there. And uh, and that, that place was also pretty cool. Um, here's what I remember. Standing down by the tunnel on the field, because I was doing some field stuff that game, yeah. and watching Oklahoma's offensive line group come out to warm up, and I thought, whoa, this might not be good. I mean, these guys were all 6'6", 6'7", long, lean, athletic-looking, big, nasty dudes. And I thought, man, I don't know if BYU can hold up with these Bradford guys. Bradford was their quarterback. Yeah, Sam Bradford. And remember, Colby Clawson knocked him out of the yep. game. And uh, and that, that changed the complexion of the game, changed momentum, and... And, and frankly, Oklahoma just couldn't move the ball after that. And then credit BYU's defense, they were flying around to the ball everywhere. 14-13 game, or no, uh, a uh, yeah, 14-13 game, you can give credit to no one but the defense. If if the offense doesn't score 24, they did not have anything to do with the win. That that's a that's a flat out defensive win, and uh, and defense showed up. And then then they got that drive at the end that they Max, had. So I think end. Dennis Pitta had like eight catches on the final drive. When in doubt, just throw it to Dennis. Yeah. Even if he's covered, if they got one guy on him, he's open, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. So. All right, so now we now we enter Independence, talking mm-hmm. about some of the biggest ESPN games for BYU, uh, leading into our talk of the schedule and the TV times that that are out there already, but we're going to go in-depth with them tonight. Uh, first game is an Independent at Ole Miss, and, uh, and Kyle Van Noy makes a name for himself late in the fourth quarter with a strip sack fumble and then jumps on it for a touchdown, and they win it by one. And, and this is like when you start to go, man, this is Kyle Van Noy. He's, he's like, all right. He's changing games all by himself on defense. And you usually don't – a defensive player usually can't take over a game, right? But Kyle Van Noy, that was foreshadowing, right, of, th- of things to come. And uh, he took that game over. And he single-handedly won the game on defense. Um, hey, you know how I asked – I said I think there's some Oklahoma fans in the panhandle? I, I, I love that uh, – We've got uh, one of our fans, and you guys, this is too far away for me to read. What is it, Dave? I just moved 20. Robbie Robbie Yuck says, I moved 20 minutes north of Dallas. I say bring on the Big 12. More BYU fans living here than ever. So that's in the Metroplex, though. I think there's some BYU fans in the panhandle, too. Forget Oklahoma. Oh, yeah. There's BYU fans. We saw them them when we were down there for the Texas game. Yeah. But before we went there for the Texas game, Texas came here in 2013. We were also on the call there, and that big storm showed up at Mm -hmm. the start, delayed the game by about two hours. So we were on BYU TV for two hours in addition to the lead-in countdown to kickoff. We had Jim around. We had everybody. Anybody would do an interview, we came in with us. We would grab them from down under the stadium. (laughs) Our guys down there were soaked and blown off their thing. We're up in the booth eating ice cream. Think about it. We had Jimmer up there, right? Yeah. Yeah, we were were good. And then then BYU – just uh, to quote Blaine Fowler, beat the crap out of him. Yeah, they beat the crap out of him. <laughs> so, hey, was that not the the day, though? You were pretty resourceful. I got to say you were pretty resourceful. We're like, what are we going to talk about? Like, we're running out of things to talk about. And we're on the air, and there's no football game yet. And you said, let's call my boy Kevin Eubank. Kevin Eubank, the meteorologist the, yeah. at KSL. So, so we call Eubank up in Salt Lake City. And we borrow him from KSL. You say, hey, you're live on the yeah, air. you're live on the air. And he's like, that's okay. And we said, talk to us about this. What's going on? And we had his radar we on. We explained and- this weather phenomenon and what's going to happen. How long until we're out of the woods on this thing? And, and uh, yeah, that was, that was dancing, thinking on your feet. Everybody that was there that night knows exactly what that felt. Whether you were crowded underneath the grandstand mm-hmm. to not get soaked or you're still in your car there was flooding up the street lightning was everywhere it got so dark it was it, it was, was like midnight it was awesome it was pretty it cool. was awesome and then Taysom hill went out ran for 259 yards and three touchdowns and this was espn we we danced uh, until they played the game and then espn was right back for the ball game and Taysom hill could not have asked for a better night no and and his name in the national spotlight at that point, and his his name and his running style emblazoned on uh, every Texas fan's minds, and that was some foreshadowing of things to come as well. But he ran over around, and you, we remember we talked about Luke Staley and how Luke would just run away from people. Takes him to that over and over again, yeah. like their safeties would take bad angles. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but. He took advantage of him so badly. They fired he, their defensive yeah, coordinator. He beat the crap out of him so bad, they fired the D coordinator after the game. <laughs> yes, they did. When has that ever happened? Hey, Robbie Yuki, uh, sorry if we jacked up your handle there. It's Yuki. Oh, it's Yuki. Thanks for watching us. What Appreciate we, it's, you. It's, it, 
Y Y O U U K E Y is how we read it. Yuki. Yeah, Yuki. Hey, we we're, got we're it. just glad you're with us. So then the next year, uh, Taysom goes back to Austin. This was on Fox, so this would take this game out of our ESPN list. But uh, we were there in Austin live for BYU mm-hmm. TV. It was like a thousand degrees. But we went to some nice places because that's where I was for my mission you knew, years you, ago. So you we knew went your way around. We had some good awesome. stuff. Um, and then uh, Taysom ran for 99 yards, three touchdowns, and they beat him 41-7 to in front of 92,000 of their own fans. It yeah. was worse for the Longhorns than the year before because this was, this was in their place. And it was the game of the hurdle. And, yeah. and by this time, <laughs> like, Twitter was around, and you could, you could – um, Photoshop stuff in, so they had Taysom hurtling over Longhorns and 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 all of that. And I have to tell you, a few years later, um, I was in that stadium for a function. They in their like donor room, you can you can like do a dinner, and we had a big dinner down there. And and one of my really really good friends and and the vice president of, of my my company, Striker, yeah, um, he played baseball at Texas. He's a big Texas guy, and we were walking down the field. And I walked over right to that point where Taysom did the hurdle, and I said, Paul, do you, do you know what happened right here? And he goes, oh, I know dang well what happened right there. <laughs> he goes, there's not a Texas fan in the world that doesn't remember what happened right there. Like, he goes, Taysom Hill and the long arms just don't go together. And, and every Texas fan that's any kind of fan knows what Taysom did in back-to-back years. And it was just funny because – you talk to the Texas fans. You and I did all the pregame stuff for that game. Yeah. And, and they just act like, we know what happened last year. It's not going to happen again. He snuck up on them. They have a game plan to stop them. Nobody does that to Texas. And he just did it again. Yeah. He did it again. And he had a long touchdown run called back That's because right. of a Because he would have had, he he had close call. to 160 yards, but a holding call called that one back. So. All right. 2014, Virginia's here. Adam Hine gets the ball on the one-yard line, and it's like the parting of the sea. He just... He was at full speed by the 15, and he never stopped 99 yards for a touchdown as BYU beat the Cavaliers. Yeah, I, here's what I remember about, about Adam Hine. You loved Adam Hine, and, and every kick returner since, you always ask me, why can we not find a guy like Adam Hine that just catches the ball and then runs full speed up the field until he gets hit? And that was Adam Hine. On this particular run, you're right, it was just like – he went full speed. Did he ever even deviate? He just no. It was a straight line, and and the blocking was just right. And I remember we were calling that game on our side by side with ESPN, and and uh, and he was gone by the thirty yard line. Yeah. And Adam Heaney had some great top end speed. Uh, what a, what a great Adam Heaney. That brings back a great memory because what a great representative of BYU Adam Heaney was and has been. But um, and that guy looked like. Hercules. Yeah. Adam Hine looked like Hercules. He was. He, that guy was built like Hercules. Just awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, how about this one? Uh, we mentioned this last week. Uh, Tanner Mangum's Hail Mary to Mitch Matthews to beat Nebraska in Lincoln 33-28. Season opener, ESPN, ABC. And um, they'd won their home opener for 29 straight years. And they're doing this play. We're sitting on the goal line. We're thinking – you know, McMahon got his. Could we possibly get another Hail Mary in this setting full of big red fans with a sliver of BYU? And then uh, he rolled to his right, and we saw the ball in the air, and then we saw Matthews catch it, and we wondered. We were on the goal line, too. We were wondering, did he get in? And then the referees just, and the yeah, we, BYU fans went bananas. We, when we were calm, and, and when he caught it, we both calmly looked at each other and said, 
did the ball cross the goal line? Like, because the the referee or the official on on the on the side there, he took a minute to signal touchdown. Yeah. And then he signaled touchdown, and I got to admit, we lost our composure a little bit. <laughs> Fortunately, we got it back before hey, we were I, on the air. I want to say something about Nebraska fans, though. That was one of the best experiences you and I have ever had yeah. um, at an opposing field. They were so unbelievably kind and gracious. My hat's off to to any Nebraska fans. When they're not good, they show up and they fill that stadium up. And they are so kind and gracious and welcoming to opposing fans, you almost feel bad beating them. I mean, we were still happy they beat them, but uh, that's how every environment ought to be in college football. Notre Dame does a really nice job of it, but I felt like in all these stadiums we've been to, you know, and I've been in, man, almost, you name a big stadium, I've, I've been in it from Florida to Tennessee to to Michigan, you and I have been in the big house, oh, yeah. Wisconsin, like all over, USC, UCLA, you name it, we've been in it. I don't know that I've been in a better stadium for the way the fans are and how they participate than Nebraska. It's a pretty cool place. Yeah, for sure. So hats off to those fans, but what an unbelievable game. And you and I lost our composure for a minute. We got, we it, got back. it back, and then we did a post-game <laughs> show. And we did a post-game show with, yep. with Tanner live on the air talking about his, his big throw. Uh, 2016, BYU's going to East Lansing, for the first time. ESPN helps pull this game together. It's on ABC. Jamal Williams runs wild, 163 yards. And BYU blows out the Spartans on their field. And even yeah. we're even watching that just going, are, are you serious we're right going, now? What's happening right now? Yeah. It, because we thought, when you think of Michigan State, you think of big, physical, they're going to run the ball downhill at you. They're going to knock people around. They're going to be hard to run the ball again. If anything, I thought BYU was going to have to throw the ball all over the place to have a chance and Jamal Williams showed that he was an NFL running back in that game. And BYU's offensive line had a great game. And they I, – I was surprised. Yeah. Like, that that was one of the biggest surprises to me that BYU handled Michigan State up front the way they did in that We ball. were also surprised in 2018, BYU goes to Madison, another ESPN game. Badgers are ranked number six, and BYU beats them 24-21. to 21. And your son had a very important play on the winning field goal – there was a bad snap, and Gavin's the holder. He has to get that ball and get it down in time for the kick, and the Cougars win it on that kick. It rarely does a head coach after a game say, hey, I just want to point something out. The holder never gets pointed out unless he makes a mistake, yeah. right? If the holder botches a hold, which which Gavin didn't botch a hold, and it, he held for three years for BYU and played on every special team. People people might remember and Gavin's working with the outside linebackers now working with Kalani and coaching but um, Gavin was a really really promising high-end talent that that came to BYU to play could have played corner or safety and early in his career he tore an ACL um, and then he rehabbed the whole year and came back and right at the beginning of the next season tore the other ACL and everybody said um Man, this is what you just need to hang it up. Like, people just don't come back from back-to-back ACLs. He says, no, I'm going to contribute in some way, shape, or form. I may not be as fast or as explosive as I used to be, but I'll figure out a way. I think he played in about 27 straight games on every special team. And, and in that game, the ball was snapped low and outside. He scooped it up with one hand. He got the ball down. They kicked the game-winning field goal. And afterwards, Kalani Stocky said, I'm going to point out the game-winning play. The game-winning play was made by our holder who took an impossible snap and got it down so we could kick the game-winning field goal. And not often do we say that, but that's the truth in this game. Really, really cool. Another cool th- thing that they showed in the game on ESPN was uh, that fourth quarter, start of the fourth quarter, the student body at Wisconsin does the jump 
Yeah, they dance. And they jump. In the, and BYU's team danced with them. And the home team, the Badgers, are looking over there going, why are those guys dancing on our song? It, it freaked them out. Yeah. It was a reverse freak out. It was. They, they do that for, so that you sit back and just go, wow, look at this stadium. Look what's going on. Well, Kalani purposely told these guys during the week, listen, they do this thing between third and fourth quarter where they do this jump around, um, and they all dance and they jump oh, yeah. around. It's pretty cool. We've seen we're it We're going to enjoy this environment, and when that comes, we're going to show them how loose we are. We're going to do it right along with them. I, I, you, you watched their sideline look over there going, oh, what's going on here? Their guys aren't supposed to be. This is what we're. Yeah, this is when they freak out. The, the opponent freaks out we, when we do this. BYU, they did a reverse freak out. Yeah. They pulled the okie dokie on them. <laughs> it was awesome. And that was all Kalani. Kalani planned that. Fantastic. How about the ESPN game in 2019 at Tennessee? Oh, man. Double overtime. And the Cougars with Tyson Williams and Micah Simon. That 64 yard bomb. Miracle deep ball, right? BYU wins at 29 26. Talk about a. A ball game that had the network buzzing. Oh my gosh! And in in that great historic stadium, and and I, I love Nealon Stadium because it's if you if, if and you and I've been in the Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. When you're in the Rose Bowl, it's it's like a it's like a big dish. Yeah. And I've been there where we've broadcast games from there, and I feel like I'm way far away from the field. And then we went. My son-in-law Dallas was playing in the Rose Bowl against Iowa when he was a captain at Stanford, and we went to watch Dallas. So now I find myself as a fan, and we. Had player seats, so we were only like a quarter of the way up in the corner of the end zone, and I felt like I was forever away from the field. And it's because it's this kind of long, gradual. Yeah. I'm telling you, if you're in the top of that end zone, you, you better have a drone flying over the field so you can watch the game from back there. You're on the other side yeah. of Pasadena. Neyland uh, Stadium is like this. Yeah. It's like straight up and down. And those fans feel like you're on. they're on top of you. And our players, I've talked to a bunch of them since that game, they loved that environment. They, they played with a chip on their shoulder. They loved that the fans were right on top of them. And, and again, Kalani had them loose, and they played fearless. And that's how they complete. Like, it's a, it was almost like a hail. It's like, how does he get that open? Almost like a Hail Mary. I hadn't seen a play like that since Max Hall to, to Austin Colley. Right. On, on, the, on the fourth and forever against Utah. It reminded me of that. Game's still alive, and, and, and BYU ends up pulling that thing out. And back to Harleen. Elson, he's to, wide yeah. open at a how, how crucial did, how moment. How do guys get open? By the way, I saw Austin Colley at the movie. We'll talk about movies later. Oh, yeah. Our movie review of Top Gun's coming out. I saw Austin Austin, and, and Brooke and, and those guys all went to uh, Maverick the other night when my whole family was oh, there. Good. So we, we had a little reunion between the Colleys and the Fowlers. I called a couple of UNLV games at Neyland Stadium. And uh, if you don't like heights, that's not a place for you. Because oh, that man. top of the stadium uh, broadcast position is straight down. But that was spectacular. Then the next week on ABC, BYU beats USC in overtime. Uh, Gunwalaku with an interception. Place goes nuts. Fans storm the field. Back-to-back overtime upsets for the Cougars. Yeah. Hey, you got to tell people about your Neyland Stadium. Oh, that's that's. We'll have to save that one. For okay. Because that's like I need time to set hey, up. I'm just I'm just gonna give you a tease. I need time this. to set. That I'm one just up. gonna give you a tease on this. Dave is gonna tell the story at some point because we have to set it up. Where he had to call a game into a bush on the sidelines at Neyland Stadium, a Tennessee UNLV game. So we'll get to that another and time. And I went straight into therapy after that. Yeah. But it's well, it I, is I a can story. guarantee you people were going, What is that guy doing right there? I know they why, were. Why is he that. why is he talking into a bush? What's wrong with those guys? <laughs> so so anyway, we'll save that, that for later. That's, coming just, up. that's what we that's call a, a tease. That's right? a deep it's teaser. A tease. Might be a July story, but that one's that one's <laughs> coming up. So okay, so back to what you were talking about. So uh so they beat USC. 
we were down on the field. Our broadcast position for the postgame show, we're down on the field, and Kalani came over and Zach came over. We're surrounded by fans, and it was like 1,000 degrees, if not 100. Yeah. And uh, But it was just one of those moments after the, the Tennessee win. Mm-hmm. Here's this USC moment, the vaunted Trojans in town, who came in ranked in the top 25, and BYU beat them. And by the way, I've never been hotter in my life on a yeah, pregame show. That was... Like that I, was roaster. I, I was. We had all of our people like fanning us off and trying to keep us cool, but uh, um, I was afraid the makeup was going to melt right off of our <laughs> face. In fact, I think we eventually wiped the makeup off. I think we just but, gave but up makeup on off. It. All right, a couple what, what, more. What, 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 I, what I remember about that USC game is BYU's game plan on the defensive side. This vaunted air raid attack came in. Yeah. You had the number one high school quarterback in the country when he was coming out at, at the helm for for USC and everybody expected that and these receivers that were all NFL guys and it's like how's BYU going to slow them down and BYU was the first team and other teams have done it since to USC that said no you know what we're going to do we're going to drop eight drop eight we're going to we're going to put eight we're going to clog the throwing lanes so he has no place to go with the ball and in the early downs that's what we're going to do and then in late downs when they get behind the chains and it's third and 11 then we'll bring the house and we'll pressure him and make him throw it. But we are not going to give up the dink and dunks. We're going to get people all over the place in the throwing lanes. And it worked to perfection. It stymied that vaunted USC offense. And then BYU's offense it did, you know, Zach did, was did a phenomenal. Job on. Zach was jumping yeah. over people and helicoptering in the air and doing all kinds of things in that game. Um, what an environment. What a game. But, but you got a defensive coach's game plan in that actually set a lot of other teams up that played USC. You know, in the next couple of years, that's how you stop the air raid. That's how you stop it. We had a couple more games before we're going to focus in on this uh, season that we got coming up with the TV times. And uh, Cubs are getting beat three to one by the Brewers. Man, they are the we are the worst. That's what's going on right now over at Wrigley Field. Um, twenty twenty, COVID wipes everybody out. Mm-hmm. BYU says we're still playing. We're the only team west of the Mississippi that's getting ready for a season, but they didn't have any games. Right. Uh, ESPN gets together. With Navy and BYU, they said, we'll play you on Labor Day night, mm-hmm. Monday night football. Uh, the only college game going. And the Cougars show up, and they beat the midshipmen 55-3. to It was Tyler Algier running all over the place. It was Zach Wilson. Awesome. But it was Monday night, Labor Day night. All of America's watching BYU because of their relationship with ESPN and their willingness to play. Uh, two two relationships in that and one. Ken and Ken Niamatololo. Ken Niamatololo said, yeah, let's do it. And, and Ken knew that he was replacing a lot of stars on that team. He was so, a head coach in Navy. So he knew that it might be a bit of, bit of a mismatch. Um, do you know who I remember in that game? I remember Tyler Algier, obviously, because he had such a, a great game in that game. But I remember that Pepe Tanavasa had an incredible game on defense. And if, and if you remember, Pepe was at Navy. Yeah. And transferred to BYU. And so he knew what they were doing. Doesn't it make sense that he played against that offense? It just seemed like he had that thing dialed in. And every other tackle felt like it was Pepe. He was a disruptive force on on uh, defense. And when does Navy ever score three? Yeah. That just doesn't happen. At home. Yeah. It was such a powerful night yeah. to have uh, uh, on the holiday, in the pandemic, and, and BYU just went out there. And, and it was a physical beatdown. BYU yeah. physically dominated him in that game. So last year, BYU beats Arizona, Utah, and Arizona State. Three straight primetime ESPN games out of the gate. They beat Virginia on ESPN, two in a wild one. And they finish off beating USC on ESPN Thanksgiving weekend. 
Uh, still one more year to go with ESPN as a TV partner, but but they delivered on their promise, and BYU delivered on its promise of being competitive and developing delivering some wild games. Some crazy games. That, that, I mean, the Arizona State game I, I mentioned earlier, that game was like none other in terms of environment in the stadium, and it was so loud you couldn't hear yourself, and neither could Arizona State's offense. They made a lot of mistakes because 16 of 16 penalties. It was crazy how loud that stadium was. Um, the Utah game, and, and this is BYU. It's been a long while since BYU just beat Utah up at the line of scrimmage. But that wasn't a fluke. It wasn't, oh, they Utah threw a bunch of picks or, you know, BYU had bit. No, BYU dominated the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, and that hasn't happened in a long time. I felt like it was the coming of age and all that Kalani's been working toward on the offensive line came and showed itself in that Utah game. So that was fun because of that. Arizona State was fun because of the the atmosphere in the stadium and the big play by Tyler Algier, right? That was just phenomenal. You know, it's interesting, too, about that Arizona State game is remember the Sun Devils fumbled the opening kickoff. Right. And BYU recovers, and then they score a couple plays later. Right in front of the student section. Oh, yeah. In between the student section and the action is Mark Pope and this recruit named Colin Chandler. That's right. All that stuff happened right in front of him. Just moments after the team ran right past him because he was out there with the band to take the field. And, and we talked to Coach Pope afterwards. We go, did you choreograph that? You could not have choreographed a bigger BYU sports moment than what happened right in front of Colin Chandler and then uh, – Colin Chandler suiting up for the Cougars. And biggest recruit they've ever had. Yeah. You know, that that season, though, the game that I feel is the, the most impressive game was the USC game on the road. And here's why. BYU was beat up by that game. Oh. And, and I just thought, oh, man, I don't know if they have enough guys left to, to be able to. This is going to be an, a really, really tough test for BYU's depth. Kalani's been telling us all year they're deeper than they've ever been. Mm -hmm. These guys are ready to play. But they're going to play USC, who just lines up one All-American after another, one NFL guy after another. You're going to be able to hold – they don't have any of their starting backers. They're missing guys out of the secondary. They got a couple of offensive linemen dinged. I don't think MB played in that game. And they'd already lost a couple of other – like, can BYU hang in – Baylor – or Gunner didn't play. Gunner was out. Can BYU hang – on the road against USC, and and I thought it was a masterful job by Kalani because emotionally, BYU was in that game from minute. They came and they played with a fire and a passion like none other. They made up for some of the mission guys with the with the emotion that they played. They were clearly the the team that had a more of an edge to them. The USC and USC had their best offensive night of the season. It wasn't like they took right, any. right. No, it was. I felt like that was the biggest one of the season because it proved that BYU had the depth to compete over the long haul in a season when they played that many P5s. They were playing a very talented team no matter what anybody says. 30,000 BYU and, fans in the and house. It, and it, it, was, it was a special night. To me, that was the best win of the season last year. So those are our list of games. That's why ESPN loves BYU and why BYU loves ESPN because they were connected together on making those happen, so many of them. Happened. So when the 2022 schedule rolled out last week with TV times, seven games on ESPN's family of networks. BYU started Independence on ESPN on September 3rd, 2011 at Ole Miss. They will kick off the final year of Independence September 3rd, 2022 at South Florida. 
on ESPNU. Football Media Day is coming up June 22nd on BYU TV. After further review, debuts Tuesday, July 26th at 7 Eastern Time on BYU TV. A tribute to Tyler Algiers' run into history. That's going to be awesome. The players report to camp on Wednesday, August 3rd. First practice Thursday, August 4th. And now let's start in with South Florida, September 3rd. Announced at a 4 p.m. Eastern start time on ESPNU. That's 2 o'clock here in the mountains. Uh, I love that start time. I'm glad it's on ESPNU. And that's going to be a great opener for BYU. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. and I mentioned this last week. Um, and then I was on Sports Nation with the guys, and, and they were wanting to know about some of these teams. So I've been talking to Gavin a little bit, and they BYU's already done their film breakdown for for every team, their preseason breakdown. So they look at every game from last season. They look at the personnel that's coming back. They do a personnel breakdown. And then, then the week before each game, they're going to take the most current film, and they'll add to that, right? So this it's a, it's a year-round thing. And so they, they were looking at South Florida, and Gavin says, this is a scary football team because when you look at them individual player by player, there's talent all over the field. Um, and that's a little bit scary because sure. expectations aren't high for South Florida, right? And uh, But they, they, they had Baylor's quarterback who played against BYU, uh, Jerry, or Gary, Jerry Bohannon. Bohannon, yeah. He transferred to South Florida, so he'll compete for the starting quarterback. And Timmy McLean had 272 yards right. of total offense. And USF dominated time of possession in the meeting last year by 11 minutes in a game BYU won 35 to 27. Yeah. So you got a bunch of athletes. They think they think that they can um, that they can compete with BYU. They're they're a year more mature. Um, that you know they feel like hey this is the year that we're supposed to come of age. Um, so th- this is a tough this is a tough one uh, uh, for BYU on the road. I think BYU. The nice part for BYU is they should come into this thing fully healthy. Yeah. First game of the season, Klein does a great job of managing fall camp and, and keeping injuries to a minimum and with a lot of energy. And you know what? It's kind of paybacks for a couple of years ago because um, when they were in Tampa last time, USF defeated BYU in that 27-23 game in 2019. Jaron Hall played in that game. And got knocked and out. Got knocked out of the game. Um, sacked five times. Uh and so it took his running yards away. Yeah, he, big was, he was at a huge running day, yeah. but finished with 83 after and, all the sacks. And remember that, that Romney came in and marched the team down for what would have been the, the game winner and had four chances from 12-yard line and couldn't get it in. So very bitter taste for BYU. When Do you think that was the low moment of independence? It, I, it was a game that they should have won. And, and I don't think that that South Florida team is as good as the one they're going to play this year. And they had every opportunity to win. They just did not play well. Believe me, that's not lost on the coaching staff. Yeah. And it won't be lost on these players when they go down there. And you're going to have – and here's, I, I feel like BYU right now compared to two years ago, they had some pretty good skills a couple of years ago. But BYU is they, – they're probably better at almost every position across the across the field. I mean, you don't have Tyler Algier. Um but but Jaron Hall's back there yeah. now, right? And and, and, and I, I feel Brooks like, back there. I feel like up front on both sides of the ball, they're they're really good. And I feel like BYU will manhandle them at the line of scrimmage. And so so I like I like BYU's chances. I, I love the ability to go back to yours and go, hey man, it is payback time. Yeah. So we're coming down to your place, playing in an NFL stadium. You're gonna 
you're going to get smacked. Four o'clock Eastern time on September 3rd on ESPNU. The home opener. If there's ever a game you want to beat the crap out of somebody, it's that one. It's that opener. That's true. So, <laughs> And All now right. let's talk about the game that BYU got the crap beat out of there. Exactly. Right? So Baylor comes to BYU Saturday, September 10th. 10.15 p.m. Eastern time. That's an 8.15 local start here on ESPN. Will game day be here that day? That's a possibility. Uh, it's on the mothership for, for the late game that day. And, and Baylor is BYU's first Big 12 opponent to come to Provo since the announcement was made last September that the Cougars would join the Big 12 beginning next season. Also the first time a reigning Big 12 champ or Sugar Bowl champs come to Provo. That's right. And here's the thing about Baylor. Dave Aranda, um, who's the head coach there, he's created a mindset down there. And I mean, it's visible. You can see it. And that mindset is we're going to be the most physical team in the Big 12. Like, we don't care who we're playing. We'll play Oklahoma. We'll line up with Texas. We're, we're going to beat you up. We're going to be physical. We're going to run the ball downhill. Um, we're going to be really aggressive defensively and beat you up. And, boy, it really showed. They out-physicaled almost everybody they played last year. And and when I was watching BYU, I thought BYU was a pretty physical team. Now, you know, they, they had some... They had some injuries by the time, you know, they'd lost their backers. In key spots on the offensive line and linebacker. And and so so it hurt. Like, I don't think that Baylor runs for all those yards if you got Keenan Peely and Peyton Wilgar in the game at linebacker. They're run stoppers, and they weren't in the game, right? They ran for 303. It It was unbelievable. And they held BYU to 67 yards rushing. And I don't think you hold this year's BYU team, even if even with Brooks at tailback or Lopini Katoa at tailback or, I mean, you could go four deep at tailback. Um, and 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 still be fine. You could have McChesney. You could have Miles Davis yeah. behind this offensive line. They're not going to hold BYU to 67 yards rushing again. And I think BYU is going to be much better defensively. Do you see a window in there? I mean, amidst all of that, uh, Jaron Hall threw for 342 yards, and Puka caught five passes for 168 and his first BYU touchdown. The Cougars lost by 14. It didn't feel like they were in the game because they couldn't stop the run, but but Hall moved the football. And that and that's the silver lining, right? Because Baylor's defense was pretty good yeah. last year too, and they shut people down. Um, here's the thing: they lost their three top wide receivers, um, and they're all like really, really good players, NFL caliber guys. Um, they they have two offensive linemen coming back, but they'll, they'll be solid because they're just gonna, this is Jeff Grimes' offensive line. It's a Dave Aranda football team, so they're gonna be good up front on both sides. But so is BYU. Um, here's the big thing. Baylor, they're back seven, so they're backers in their secondary. They were all veteran. They're a bunch of fifth-year COVID guys, right, or six-year COVID guys back there. One of the most ex- uh, experienced back ends in college football last year, and it showed. And yet, even with that, they couldn't stop Puka if they tried. Right. Like he he he's like, I'll get, put your best guy on me. I'll go out and take it away from him. I mean, that I thought that was his best football game. He was amazing in that game, and, and so I I like. BYU's chances. I look back at that. I go, "Wow, BYU got out physical." But then you can go back and watch every game that Baylor played in last year, and they pretty much out physicaled everybody that they played. So maybe it's not so shameful that BYU got out physical. I don't see that happening again this year. I think it'll be the most physical game of the year. Yeah, that's saying something. Because remember, yeah, that, yeah, we're going to talk about Notre Dame, some of these mm-hmm. others. I think that will be the most physical game of the year. I think it's another payback game. It's at elevation. It's in Provo. And, uh, hey, even though I think that's one of the toughest games on the schedule, I think BYU's got a chance in that one to win and to avenge last year's loss. Bit of history with uh, Baylor. Go back to Waco in 83. 
and the Bears won 40-36 to in the season opener. But the Cougars won the next 11 games. Then you guys went undefeated in 84, 13 wins. Beat Boston College to kick off the 85 season. 25-game winning streak, which started after the Baylor defeat. Yeah, and we, we, all we need to do is get off the field. Um, and we had Baylor in like a third and long, um, late, late, late in the game, and we gave up a bomb. And, and then they went down and scored and, and to go out in front of us. And, and we, we kind of had con- control of that game at, at that time, right? Yeah. And, and that... It still sits in it, Steve it, Young's it, it craw. It still sits in my craw, too, because <laughs> I was part of that team. But we lost that game, and I'll tell you, the rest, the rest of that year, we played it with a chip on our shoulders and said, that's not going to happen again. And Steve really caught fire, and this team's chemistry grew after that Waco loss that we let slip away at the end. And, and, you know, we went all the way through the season, beat Missouri in the bowl game that year. Um, the famous Eddie Stinnett back to Steve oh, yeah. Young, halfback pass in that game to beat Missouri. And we were on a roll. And, and we finished number seven in the country that year. So the last time we lost to Baylor, we finished number seven. And then we graduated a bunch of guys, and everybody thought, well, you know, how good are they going to be? And then we, we followed that up with a 13-0 the next year and won a bunch. We got to the point in the middle of that where – we just didn't feel like we'd ever lose the game again. I'm like, nobody will ever beat us again. That's, that's, how <laughs> that's good, a good feeling. That's how good we thought we were, right? <laughs> so it's Baylor at BYU, Saturday, September 10th, 10, 10.15 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN. The following week, BYU goes to Oregon, Saturday, uh, September 17th, 3.30 Eastern time on Fox National TV. Yeah, this this is a big one. And, and I feel like Oregon is still going to be one of the elite teams in the Pac-12. They always are. Because they just have so many good athletes. If year in and year out, you go position by position, outside of USC, Oregon typically has the best talent in the league. And and I've felt like they've underperformed in recent years. Part of that is because they just haven't had a like they just haven't had a quarterback. And when they have Marcus Mariota at quarterback, you know, they're contending for national championships. And when they have you know, so when they ha- when they're when they have a good quarterback, they're really good. And the interesting one of the interesting moves in the offseason was um, you know, they they get George's D coordinator as their new head coach. Yeah. So Cristobal uh Cristobal went went to and uh, went to Miami. So so they bring in Dan Lanning as their new head coach. Dan Lanning is a defensive specialist and a genius. And I'm not kidding when I say that that Georgia football team last year is the best defense I've seen in college football ever. It's the best tackling football team I've ever seen in college football. Really, really good. If he can get this Oregon talent to play together defensively like he got those, and those Georgia guys were flawless. They just didn't make mistakes. They they kept the right angles. They tackled. Open field tackling was superb. If Dan can bring that, then Oregon's going to be really good. I like that BYU plays him early in the yeah. season because I think this will be a better football team by game 8, 9, 10 than game 3 because there's going to be some feeling out of what's going on, a new, new coordinator all that. The other big move is, is that – they bring Auburn's star quarterback Bo Nix transferred in the offseason to to run this new uh, or Oregon offense, and he's a he's a proven commodity, okay. he's a very good quarterback, and so maybe you know, I think Oregon's underperforming the last couple of years because they've given up too many big plays on defense and they haven't been good at quarterback. Well, did they get an answer for both of those in a new head coach that's a defensive minded guy and Bo Nix? We'll see how fast they can figure we'll, that we'll out. See. It's a great opportunity for BYU because that's a really cool stadium to go play in. BYU played six Pac-12 teams last year. This is the only one 
on the schedule this year at Oregon on Fox, September 17th at 3.30 Eastern Time. BYU comes home for Wyoming on Saturday, September 24th. The start time hasn't been announced, but it'll be on ESPN or, or ABC and that group of networks. And first time to be back with Wyoming since the 2015 Poinsettia Bowl, which the Cougars won. Josh Allen was the quarterback for the Cowboys. How good is he at Buffalo in the NFL? To think that that he was at Wyoming and, and BYU found a way to beat him there in that bowl game. Uh, Kainakua picked off the ball late to seal it. And uh, now the Cowboys are coming back to town. Well, and I, people were saying when when everybody's talking about, well, Josh Allen's going to be a first round draft pick. He might be the number one pick in the draft, and all this. And everybody's going, I just don't see it. How, you know, Josh Allen was phenomenal when he was at Wyoming. He just didn't have all the folks around him to to highlight it. And he is big time with the Bills. Josh Allen's not going to line up a quarterback for Wyoming. No, but these year. Cowboys have been are better They've than been they consist- have been. They've been consistent. Good. Craig Bowl, who's their head coach, does a really good job there as the head coach. Um, you know, I always look at the S&P. The S&P that ESPN puts out kind of takes who's coming back, strength, all those things, and puts it into a preseason prediction game by game. And and they have them a 7-5 team this year. Okay. I, 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 bet, I bet they win eight games this year. Um, but they had multiple transfers out this offseason. And so... They're not going to get BYU this year. Not not in Provo. A few days later, on September 29th, this is a Thursday, Utah State at BYU, 8 o'clock Eastern time, prime time on ESPN. 91st and final meeting between the two as uh, they battle for the old wagon wheel. Then BYU's going on to the Big 12, and that rivalry has – there's no more scheduled games uh, between the two henceforth. And this is usually the annual general conference mm-hmm. game on Friday – but for ESPN, they've moved it to Thursday, and so kind of a unique day for this 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 rivalry. Yeah, and and that Thursday night game, everyone around the country, you know, tuning in. It's a late, you know, it's late on the East Coast, but it's eight p.m. So people are still going to watch at least a half of it. It's a great game; they'll stay in and watch it. Um, you know, Blake Anderson did a really nice job in his first year last year. He brought his quarterback um, with him in, in in Logan Bonner. Logan's back next year. I love that kid. He's a gamer. Man, the kid can just flat out play. Right? They went eleven and three. But you know what he year. doesn't have, and he doesn't have he doesn't have Devin Tompkins at wide receiver. That yeah. guy was a beast. He was a little beast. He was a little beast that just abused people out there. Could get separation. Was phenomenal. Lived up to every billing that he had. Not only did they lose him, they lost their other two top receivers. So they've got to completely retool. They got a couple of transfers. Um, they, they got the Cobbs kid from Maryland, Xavier Williams from Alabama. So a couple of big P5 transfers coming in for Utah State this next year. Um, so we'll see how it all pans out. I love the guy they have at quarterback. S&P says they're going to be 6-6. Six and six. Well, the S&P way underrated Utah State last year. I'm not buying it on Utah State. I say they're going to be a lot better than that and contend again, but I don't think they're going to beat BYU in Provo. Thursday, September 29th, 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. On to October, BYU and Notre Dame at Allegiant Stadium in Vegas, 7.30 Eastern time on NBC. Irish are 6-2 and two against BYU. It's part of the Shamrock Series, so it's their home game, even though BYU will have a big crowd in there. We're still not sure how tickets are going to be divvied up. Uh, not everyone's going to be happy, but when they kick that thing off on national TV, uh, I, think, I think Kalani Sataki will be happy to have a shot on a neutral field against the Irish. I think this is the best team on BYU's schedule. Yeah, and so, um, and and so do the preseason polls. So I'm I'm looking at Notre Dame. Um, 
all the different. They've got them six, five, eight, seven. The worst they are in any poll I've seen is eleven. So worst case, they you know preseason and, and the they reason, they open up with uh, I think Ohio State right out of the that, gate. That's that's in BYU's favor, right? Yeah. That they they play a big game. They're loaded. They're physical. They're fast. They're disciplined. Um, and so and this is an eleven two team last year. Oklahoma State from the Big Twelve, BYU's new conference, beat them in the Fiesta Bowl. But you know there was talk of Notre Dame being in the national playoff for a lot of the year yeah. last year until they dropped dropped a couple. But now this is a really good team that has a winning mentality. Notre Dame's back. They expect to win. They they've kind of been in. Contention. They got a new coach too. Yeah, and, and but he's been there, yeah. right? So the, I think tradition. You know, they have an assistant that they just promote. He's been there. He understands the winning formula. They didn't have a bunch of players transfer out. They had a couple transfer in. Yeah, they're loaded and ready to go. In my opinion, uh, Notre Dame is the best on on the schedule, and that's going to be a tall task because it'll be an unusual not home game for BYU in Vegas. My challenge to Cougar fans is, can you make this a 50-50? Can you make it a neutral site game? That's going to be a challenge because Notre Dame controls the tickets because it's their Shamrock series. We'll see how that goes. And we'll find out hopefully soon how many... BYU fans will be allowed to buy tickets for that one. The next week is kind of a game that gets lost because the Irish in Vegas is such a big one. Arkansas at BYU. The start time has not been announced, but it'll be on ESPN or ABC. First meeting between these two. It'll depend on how interested Arkansas is leaving SEC play to come out west. And, of course, BYU goes to Arkansas the following season. I, I think I think that Notre Dame game down there is a tough one. I You know, um, but I like BYU's chances against Arkansas in Provo. First of all, it's an SEC coming from down low to come up to elevation to play with those mountains uh, looming. Um, this is an Arkansas team. Nobody really – they were a surprise team last year. And, the, and the, you know, so they kind of outplayed what everybody thought that they would do. Tremendous team speed on Arkansas. So BYU's going to have to deal with that. Um, but I feel like BYU's got great team speed right now. Hey, and they just signed – Maybe the they've got the fastest committed class yeah. ever. They're going to be going to be fast in the Big Twelve. Yeah, they're going to be really really fast. Um, so, so I, this is one where I feel like um, elevation home field comes into play. BYU's experience and their ability to match up up front. Hey, BYU can match up up front with anybody in the country. I don't care if they're in the Big Ten, the SEC. They match up up front this next year, especially on the offensive line. I like that for BYU. I like their chances against Arkansas at home, even though it's an SEC team. They'll have gone through Baylor and Notre Dame, and I'm curious to see how healthy they are going through Arkansas. Uh, and if they can maintain health, then you're right. I, I agree with yeah, you. If, they can, if, if they're healthy coming out of you know coming out of Notre Dame, um, and you know, and you, th- you you think about that, so they go, and it's not it's not crazy where they're coming out playing five straight P5s this year, you know. Wyoming and Utah State is as good as they are and have been, and they're a challenge for BYU. They don't they don't bring that just beat beat down physicalness that BYU had to deal with last year in their first three. I mean, they'll get some of that Baylor, right? Yeah. South Florida doesn't strike me as a hey, they're gonna you know they're a team that beats you up. They're gonna try to beat you with team speed. So we're gonna have a really physical game against against Baylor. Oregon is a physical football team. I think they'll be more physical. Um, you know, with, with their new head coach, uh, and then I, you know, so I don't. I, I think if they can come to the Arkansas game healthy, which they've got a good chance if they manage things well, I like their chances against Arkansas at home. BYU's at Liberty the next week, 
So they go back to Lynchburg, Virginia, October 22nd. Uh, no time or TV destination just yet for Liberty. Second meeting, first back there. Chance for BYU fans there in the South to get together. Cougars beat Liberty 31-24 in 2019 with Baylor Romney at quarterback. That is a uh, that's a dangerous game. They've gotten pretty good. Yeah, they're they're very comp- you know what? And Liberty said they were going to pattern what they did. They want to be the BYU on the East Coast, right? Yeah. So now BYU's got to go back to the East Coast. You go two time zones, and they've which, got to defeat themselves, which is always a ch- <laughs> yeah, which is always a challenge, right? And and they've got to go against a team that likes to do what they they want us. They want to throw the football. Yeah. They want to be known as a team that throws the football. They want to play tough defense. They want to be physical up front. Remember, it was Liberty that was supposed to play Coastal. Yes, they got COVID, and that opened the door for BYU to go back there on three days' notice right. and take and, them on. And Liberty was pretty good. Yeah, they've been pretty good. Um, they've got great skill players. Where I think BYU, I think BYU has distanced themselves from Liberty um, up front, and so I, so I think I think that that BYU can dominate the line of scrimmage in this game and, and control Liberty. Like, and here's the other thing: Liberty wants to throw it. BYU in the secondary. I mean, BYU's got corners coming out of their ears. They yeah. they 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 are really they got a couple of NFL guys. Like I'm not going to be surprised. If two of BYU's corners end up being the next Mike Davis's and being, being, I mean, Caleb Hayes is a really good cover mm-hmm. corner, and D'Angelo Mandel, I feel like he's got NFL skill set as well. But they're both blazingly fast. Um, you know, D'Lo has pretty, pretty good size, more size than you even need for the NFL. But you got two confident guys that want to go against the best. And Liberty's going to try to throw the ball around. I, I like BYU's matchup against Love uh, Caleb Hayes and that tackle on Gary Bryant Jr. Yes. to beat USC. Yes. Down there in L.A. All right, so after Virginia, the trip to Lynchburg, Virginia, they come home for a Friday night game, so a short week for East Carolina, October 28th, 8 p.m. Eastern time. That one's on ESPN2. These two teams have played each other twice, 2015 and 2017. But uh, – That'll be a great Halloween type weekend get together on Friday night. Yep, and and East Carolina is also a team that wants to throw the football around and play wide open and and uh, and and they'll come at you and blitz on defense and so it's 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 an interesting challenge, but it's in Provo. Yeah. So East Carolina's coming up from almost sea level. You know what I didn't realize in the 2017 game, Gardner Minshew was the quarterback. Right. He was the backup that played because their guy got hurt. This is a guy who started. Uh, for, let's see, he's with the Eagles now, but he um, went to Washington State, then he got drafted. Started for the Jags. Started for the Jags, now he's with the Eagles, and he was the backup quarterback in that 2017 game. Yeah, so he, he was an old East Carolina guy. And man, did he have... My, my, and he, when he was there as the quarterback, that was when Mike Leach was still there, right? Was that before I think Mike so. Because I, I remember Minshew throwing it all over the yard yeah. for Washington State. It was a perfect fit for that offense, but... Uh, no, East Carolina is a lot, a lot like South Florida. We're going to have tremendous skills. So they go out and they're going to get good wide receivers and guys that can cover at corner and guys that can fly around. Where East Carolina is going to have a hard time matching up with BYU, especially up here at elevation, is up front with the big boys. Um, BYU should be able to knock them off the football, run the ball, have a balanced attack, play action pass off the run. I think East Carolina is going to have a really hard time stopping BYU from running it, which then is going to open that play action game uh, for Jaron Hall and those wide receivers. This this is a game that BYU should win. And you know what that means with the 8 o'clock Eastern start, 6 local time, is that BYU is not going to have an 8-15 cold night game uh, in November or in October. 
know what it also means? That you and I aren't going to have to do a post-game show. So in the middle of the night. In, until the middle of the night, <laughs> and then get up early for church meetings on I Sunday know. morning. It's going to be awesome. And so we, we are grateful. We're very grateful for that. How about November 5th, Saturday, at Boise State? That uh, start time is yet to be determined, but it'll be on Fox, FS1, or FS2. And here's the last meeting in what has become BYU's best friend in independence. And remember, they had all those games scheduled through 2036 that have been canceled because of BYU moving to the Big 12. And the last time the Cougars were there, they put one of the worst beatings on Boise State on their blue turf in school history. So I imagine the Broncos will be looking for them. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think Boise State's going to be um – are going to be good, and they so they got Bachmeyer back at quarterback, right? I think and, so. And yeah. I think, yeah, he and I think he's a really quality player. And they have George Lani back at running back. Um, they're going to have more experience on their offense. On a little inexperienced last year, and, and BYU took advantage. Their of that. backup quarterback, Cade Fennigan, will be BYU. Be BYU, backup. so you can give them a little insight <laughs> on, on what they're yeah. doing. But but I I feel like Boise State, um, you know, they're I think they take a step forward, um, and they're a much better football team. I I think Boise State's in the top five. Of, of teams as we rank them. And maybe when we're done with us, we'll go back and we'll rank our top, how, how we see the schedule. Have fans do that. If you want to start 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 doing that, um, you, you guys uh, on the chat, who do you think that the best five teams BYU has in order on the schedule? We'll hear from you guys. I, Dave and I will give you ours. Um, but but I'll, in fact, I'll rank mine one through 12 as we get through the season here. But I'd be interested to hear who you think. I think, I think Boise State is in the top five on BYU schedule this year. We've got all these games on our calendar, which you can find right there at uh, wiseguysysguys.com. And we'll update it, of course, with all that we got going on as we move through. Utah Tech is the home finale Saturday, November 19th. That's at 3.30 Eastern time and live on BYU TV. It's the first meeting with soon to be the former Dixie State and now turning Utah Tech. Kind of a recovery type game heading into Stanford, the the week after. Yeah, and you know what? You and I have talked about this, and I've been consistent with my take on this. If you're going to play an FCS opponent, keep it in state. Play Weber, play Southern Utah. So the money stays Because the state. money stays here, right? Yeah. And why not help build the programs in the state? Now, Utah Tech, we talk about East Carolina and South Florida not being able to match up with BYU up front. And, and, and you know, maybe not even Utah State this year or Liberty, like – BYU should have decided. BYU should be able to match up. I think BYU's got a top five offensive line in the country this year, so they should push people around. That's going to be a problem for Utah Tech, yeah, because that's the big, big difference. FCS schools sometimes get NFL quality receivers, NFL quality quarterbacks, defensive backs, and they have a lineman or two. But it's really hard at the FCS level because really good offensive and defensive linemen are so hard to find. Especially you got to put five out there at a time on offense and and four out there on defense, um, that that's where the drop-off is. That's where the difference is when a really good um, FBS team plays an FCS team. There should be a difference at the line of scrimmage. That's where you're going to see the difference against Utah Tech. Remember earlier you were talking about the importance of a spotter? That, that'll wear oh, our spotter out that day. we'll be three deep on this that BYU will be B-Y- way yeah. deep. Yeah, that shouldn't be a tough one. Regular season finale, BYU at Stanford, Saturday, November 26th. That's Thanksgiving weekend. Time and uh, TV Still to be determined. Stanford leads the series two to nothing. They played in 03 and 04. They were going to play in 20, mm-hmm. but COVID wiped out the Pac 12's non conference games. So 
And they're scheduled. Here's what's interesting. BYU and Stanford are scheduled for seven games between mm-hmm. 2022 and 2035. We'll see if that holds up in the Big 12 you, scheduling. You just don't know because typically when you're in a league, so now BYU is going to be in the Big 12. It's kind of like Utah when they got in the Pac-12. Um, you know, can, can BYU and Utah really play every year? Because yeah. because as you schedule, you're going to go out and we're playing the same Big 12 teams every year. You want a little bit of a variety. Are you going to have Stanford be your go-to? Now, having said that, Notre Dame and Stanford play every year. Yeah. You know, is is that a good rival? Is BYU-Stanford a good rivalry to have? Is that one that they should play every year? It seems like it could become one. Yeah. I'd it's say, not yeah. one now, but it seems like and there's so, potential. So I'm really interested to see how many of those seven they play. Now, having said that, Stanford, this is where I'm calling, B- I'm call- calling on BYU fans to have a takeover. To take over the farm? Yeah, because I think, like... We went to a lot. We went to. We've been to a lot of games over at Stanford, and even when they were ranked in the top five and playing in the Rose Bowl, they have a hard time filling that state. This is one where BYU, yeah. with all the fans they have in the state of California and up north in Oregon and over in Nevada, this ought to be a BYU takeover. Take over the Stanford Stadium. That's Couple my of charge. return missionary quarterbacks, yep. Jaron Hall and Tanner, Tanner McKee. McKee. And McKee is a quality, quality guy, NFL talent. I think Stanford's going to be better. That that's that's a that's a tough one. I, I'm not. They're in my top six. Top six. They're in my top six on BYU schedule. If BYU gets eligible for a bowl game, ESPN will put them in one of theirs. That's also the agreement for this season uh, in this final year of of independence if the Cougars don't qualify for a New Year's Six. All right, before we finish up with some campus headlines and our Top Gun Maverick review. I want to know know what people's top five is. Nobody's uh, – Give us your top five. Yeah. So so my top five, um, I got Boise State at number five. I have Arkansas at number four. Okay. I have Baylor at number three. I have at Oregon number two. And then I've got Notre Dame as number one. So Notre Dame one, Oregon two, Baylor three, Arkansas four, and Boise State five. And that two and three is kind of interchangeable. I don't know. It, it depends on how Baylor retools that back seven. But That's pretty good. But those, those those are my not my top five. Um, and and then, I've, then I've got Stanford right after that six, Utah State seven, South Florida eight, Liberty nine, Wyoming ten, East Carolina eleven, and of course Utah Tech twelve. That's my top. That's how I've got them ranked. That's good. Um, and in toughness. That's awesome. So, all right, let's roll out some campus news. Here's what's going on on campus this week, and uh, and and we'll finish with with a couple of things. Uh, we promised the story of of not being able to eat three hours before kickoff. So remember <laughs> we that. Told that last week. We okay. can't we can't leave that for two yeah. weeks. Yeah, we we'll tell them that. that. One. Uh, ESPN's Mel Kuyper listing four Cougars among his top 10 in position rankings for the 2023 NFL Draft. Blake Freeland's number three among offensive tackles. Jaron Hall is number six among quarterbacks. Clark Barrington is number six among offensive guards. And Isaac Rex is number 10 among tight ends. What do you think of that? Yeah, no, I, I like and, and And here, people forget about Isaac Rex, right? Because he was hurt last season, so people forget, but... No, no, I, I, I like that. I like it. Mark Pope hires Cahill Fennell to replace the departed Chris Burgess as assistant coach for men's basketball. Uh, Fennell spent the last four years at Louisville as three as the director of basketball ops, last year as assistant coach. Uh, coach Pope calls him an elite recruiter. He joins Nick Robinson and Cody Feger on the staff, brings his wife Sarah and their two boys Ezra and Koa to Provo. What do you think of that hire? I really, I'm really excited about this hire, and and and, and I don't, I don't know. Uh, um, is is it Cahill? Cahill. 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 
I don't, I don't know him, but I've now I've talked to the coaches and they're just so excited about what he brings. And, and they're talking about he's a good technician, which Chris Burgess was, but they said he's a phenomenal recruiter. And I think that BYU needs that. You always need to be able to go and recruit. And so I, I think uh, I think it's a great hire. There's some Gideon good. George news. Yep. Gideon George officially withdrew from the NBA draft. So he's going to return to the Cougars. Remember, he put his name out there. We thought from the beginning he was going to test the waters, get some exposure. Um, he had an opportunity to work out with the Jazz and the Nuggets. Uh, which is exactly what he wanted to do. You, you put your name out there, you can still come back. Um, and so he's officially um, declared and then declared that he's going to come back. Now, he didn't hire an agent or any of that. Um, I think so he got some good experience, kind of see well, where they, he needs they, they to need go. Back. He averaged 8.8 points and five rebounds last season. I think he's going to be a focal point. They, they expected him to take a big jump this year. Um, so I, I think that's great. The, the deadline for players to withdraw is tomorrow. June 1st, so just in time for the deadline, Gideon um, withdraws. Good news. That's what we expected, but it's good to have it official that it, he'll be back, and now BYU's got some some really good building blocks. So the returning scholarship players are George, Foos, Atiki, Spencer Johnson, Trey Stewart, Trevor Nell, returning missionaries, Dallin Hall, Richie Saunders, and Tanner Toulson. Great returning class, I think. Uh, newcomers, uh, Braden Moore, a four-star forward out of Tennessee, Rudy Williams, coming from Coastal Carolina might play the point there. And they got a couple more scholarships. Yeah, I think they're going to get another big before it's all said. And don't remember, they, they added some players via the transfer portal all the way in July last year so uh, and the year before. So, you know, they're still out there, still active. There's been some guys on campus that we've met. Um, hey, Bray- Braden Moore is a big get for BYU. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, at 6'8", a guy that can really, really play, a four-star recruit that had big, big-time programs offer him. So, I think they'll get another big before it's all said and done, um, and, I, and it's, a, it's a nice nucleus. And don't I don't expect anything other than them to go out and win twenty games again. Right. NCAA track and field championships are next week, June eighth through the eleventh in Eugene, Oregon. After last week's preliminaries, the Cougar men have twelve national qualifiers, and the BYU women have I think nine. I want to say nine. So I think they take twenty-one there. Uh, it's been a good year for BYU runners. You go back to the fall. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Connor Mance, uh, we can't forget. He repeated his Division One men's national champ. Team finished seventh. Um, Whitney Orton on the women's side won. When's the last time BYU had a men's and women's national champion? I don't think ever. And, and so, pr- pretty amazing. Yeah. So. Men's golf, they tied for 22nd at the NCAA championships. The top 15 made the uh, cut into the final rounds. Um Carson Lundell missed. He was 13 over par, uh, didn't make the cut, but he's going to get another shot next season. That is an outstanding oh, yeah. golfer. He's had a bad week. Come back, and that's what happens in golf, right? You, yeah. it's, it's just up and, hey, you and I know that. Speaking of Some, bad sometimes weeks. Sometimes we have a bad hole, you and yeah. I. Sometimes so. we have a bad 18 holes. Uh, Cougar baseball bowed out of the WCC tournament. They didn't have a good week. Uh, San Diego went on to beat Gonzaga for the championship, so those two teams go to the NCAA. So baseball now has to figure out what to do as head coach. Trent Pratt, he's been the interim. Does he stay? Do they go somewhere else? Whoever it is has one year before the Big 12, which is a really good baseball conference. And and I think, you know, people ask me, why did Mike Littlewood leave right when he did? And I think he decided he left, and I think he wanted to give Trent a chance to show what he could do down the stretch because that would be Mike's hand-picked guy, right? And so so that's why I think he left when he did. And uh, the team went on a great winning streak there. For a while now, it didn't finish the way they wanted to. Didn't, didn't perform in the tournament, but I think, 
I think Trent put up a pretty strong resume in how he managed that team down the stretch and how they went on that winning streak and hit the ball and managed pitching and all of that. And a lot of guys coming back next year. So it'll be interesting decision for Tom Homo uh, and, and this uh, athletic administration. But they, they now have some things to look at. Yeah. Uh, Trent was Trent Pratt was the coach for long enough that they can really evaluate him. 16 he wins. Up. Yeah, he really evaluate what he did. So Other sports news, the NBA Finals game one's Thursday in San Francisco, Celtics and Warriors. How much credit should former Cougar star Danny Ainge all, get for putting Boston's roster together? Remember, he was the uh, he was the president up until last June of the Celtics. This is his team. Yeah, give, give him the credit. He's the one that assembled the talent. Yeah. Um, now, so that's not all the credit, but as a, a he has a big. You got to have the guys. He's got a he's got a big piece, and and just who you rooting for, Celtics or Warriors? Celtics. I'm all. I Warriors. know. I know. Curry's your guy. Steph I'm, Curry's I'm cheering guy. for the Celtics because because uh, of Ainge. You know what? I want Steph to go win one. I want him to have won one without KD, then go win him with KD, and then go win one without KD. So everybody knows it wasn't KD. <laughs> It wasn't Kevin Durant. I know. It was, it, was it was always my guy. It was your guy. Yep. Oilers and Avalanche game one of the NHL's Western Conference Finals. That's underway in Colorado. Rangers and Lightning Eastern Conference Finals start tomorrow night. And now uh, our movie review of Top Gun Maverick. Oh, man. We both saw it since our last show. Ooh. What do you think? I'm giving it two thumbs up. Two thumbs up. I'm going two thumbs up and, and a and, couple and of toes. here's the thing. Sometimes I go into a movie with high expectations and then it disappoints me. I had extremely high expectations because everybody was telling me this might be the best movie I've ever seen. I'm going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really good. And and the action, it's not special effects. Just no, put a was, camera in a jet. It was the, the, the way they presented the jets was phenomenal. And to they not tied, give it away why they and, tied the story in to the old story. There were good background stories. Was and he great, didn't try to be something other than yeah. fifty nine. Good good character you know? development. Um, of, of the new young guys, great storyline. Um, it's worth new, your eight new, bucks. New love interest, Jennifer, Jennifer Conley. She's hot. I thought I thought she got How it done. How old is Jennifer Conley? I don't know, but she looked good. She she did. I mean, it was a it was a good story. And the music was good. Uh, yeah. Hey, yeah. you know Go what? See it. We're giving you four thumbs up. Uh, Obi Wan on, on Maverick. The Obi Wan series we talked about last week. I, I think that's off to a great start. Invaders yeah. coming the next. You scene. saw Obi Wan, right? Yeah. I, see, I haven't seen you it. Haven't yet. seen those two. I'm, I'm gonna go see it. I so. recommend that. You saw the Eagles uh, the other night. Oh yeah, pretty good. I'm, I'm telling you, it, it was way beyond expectations. Those guys, can, Don Henley can still bring it. Can still play the drums. Joe Walsh can still shred on the guitar, and uh, you know, I, I was unbelievably, oh, I. I Way overachieved for me. I was expecting nothing. That's awesome. Tim McGraw will be here, Stadium of Fire, he's July 2nd. That's either sold out or almost he's, sold out. He's phenomenal. That's going to be quite a night. Next week, we're going to have a quarterback quiz, which is going to be awesome that you can interact with us and give us your answers. Yeah. Uh, that we're, we're, we're going to let we're gonna, to. we're going to let all the guys online with us give their answers first. And then, and then, then, I'll, then, you'll give, give and then I'll give mine. So and then I'll, I'll uh, and, and, and moderate it's, the it's quiz. Most, it's multiple choice. It's a wise. It's not going to be an easy wise quiz. Wise guys quarterback quiz, multiple choice, not easy. Not easy. He's going to force you to make And it's absolutely zero price. So you're gonna want to, it's something you're gonna to want to at some we'll point prizes gonna, at out some later. point. I mean, you, some of you have asked on the chat. We are gonna have some wise guys merch um, at some point. But. So in our final thoughts, uh, and I've got a quote from Lavelle. We'll finish out with, but uh, there was a ball game over. I believe it was Colorado State several many many years ago when Blaine and I were new together uh, as a play by play and color analyst team. Maybe not new, but somewhere in the middle of of a long time. 
And uh, we show up at the stadium, mm. and they have some, I believe it was some delightful uh, barbecue. <laughs> barbecue. And so we have plenty of time. We sit down, and we have a barbecue sandwich. And this, let's turn the music up a little bit just for the, the impact of the story. Oh, thanks, DJ, thanks. DJ. So, uh, so we chow down, and then we go in, and we're calling the ball game. And then uh, before I let you pick it up, I'll just give you from my perspective, it's sometime in the third quarter. Uh, it's in the middle of a play, and Blaine looks at me as I'm talking. It's because he can't talk because his mic's hot. And he says, I'm leaving. But he doesn't say I'm leaving. He says, <laughs> and he puts his headset down, and he leaves. Now you pick up the rest. Because well, there was a, yeah, because, a, a legislation that came from this. Because I, I was going to throw up. And I didn't think it appropriate to throw up right there in the booth. So there was a bathroom down the hall. I sprinted to the bathroom. And threw up, and then our floor director and some there's like, "Are you okay?" Hang on a sec. We, there you go. We need you. We I, need s- you. I said, "I'm not sure if I'm okay because I just threw up, and I'm not sure I'm done." And they said, "How about we get a waste basket and we fill it with multiple plastic bags, and we'll just put it right next to you. And anytime you feel like you need to throw up, you can just lean over, push your your pause button so nobody can hear you, throw up." Wrap it up and tie it. We'll take it out. Never mind your play-by-play guy's got to witness the whole thing. Seven throw-ups during the game. So while you're out, before you've the, come hey, back. The show must go on. <laughs> had to go on. And sometimes you got to play hurt. So I threw up seven times in the course of the game. Before you came back, I didn't know if you were coming back. Yes. And it was, we didn't have, we were in the middle of the game. There were no commercials at this spot. And I remember Michael Miner, our producer, gets in my ear and goes, I haven't heard Blaine for a while. Where's Blaine? Uh, and I couldn't answer him because we're You're in the, the game. Like, why is he asking? But you I have that? a button I can push that gives me talk back that doesn't go over the air. And I just in between breaths pushed and said, "He left." And then where is he? Where is he? Minutes later, where is he? I, I don't know. And then they asked, "Is he coming back?" I, I don't know. And so we just went on. And then you did come back with the garbage bag and all that stuff, and we managed to finish the game. Yeah, we did it. And we've had a story to tell for years, but. Uh, uh, some legislation came from that, which we have not varied from. No, we never varied. Ever since. What is th- what is that? It's a three-hour rule. So it's I am not allowed to eat from the three-hour point until the game ever, ever again. Because if I have a bad reaction to food, which I am prone to do at times, yeah. um, it will always come within a half hour or so. <laughs> and so... By the time we get to three-hour mark, it'll all have gone through my system. I can take some medicine. I can do whatever, and the show can go on because nobody ever wants to be involved with what they had to be involved no. with no. on any level ever again. And then we throw up seven times during the course of a game. Now, it should be noted, I don't have the three-hour rule, and there no, are many times where Blaine will sit right next to me while I'm eating, and he's just staring forward because he knows that's an, and, it's, and it's by an the way, area I always, he can't I go to. I always eat the same thing three hours before a game, too. I just eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and a glass of milk because that's safe. So there's that's the three-hour rule. And I haven't thrown up during a game since. Have you noticed most legislation is brought on in the aftermath of some awful yep. set of circumstances? But you know what? The show must go on. Everybody needs to know that. And you can play hurt. You just can't play injured. I was hurting. The show had to go on. You carried it when you had to. I did. You, know. you made some plays on your own, and then then the show went on, and everybody else had to step up their game by hauling out hurl bags. They had to haul them out. Yeah, I know it's awful. So happy birthday to President Henry B. Eyring, second counselor of the First Presidency of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, 89th birthday today. I did an interview with him a few years back, and he talked about 
dunking a basketball for the first time while he played at East High School up in Salt Lake. He said, that's a feeling you never forget. And he's never I, forgotten I that love that. After all these years. A thought for, uh, by the great Lavelle Edwards as we wrap up here tonight. We think, I think we should always end the show with something from, from yeah, Lavelle. Yeah, from Lavelle. I he like said that. so many good things. He said this, and then I'll have you react to it as we ride out of here for this week. Quote, Potential does not always ensure success. The greatest players have not always been the most endowed. In athletics, we often hear the phrase, he has the will to win. I think this is wrong. We can have the greatest will to do well, but unless we prepare, it is of little use. Really, it should be the will to prepare. Those who succeed have this will, whether it, whether it be in athletics, whether it be in school, whether it be in their chosen vocation, whether it be on a mission or in almost any other phase of their life. The will to prepare. Amen to that. Because of those that have the will to prepare, that they do win. They do win. And that's why Lavelle's guys over the years, as he recognized that and, and brought that out in people, someone onto the NFL, but you go like and look at the folks that have come through his program. Um, they've done amazing things in all areas. You know, great, great leaders in the church, great business leaders, um, scientists, doctors, attorneys, business people, um, and great athletes. Yeah. Um, because he teaches that. You got to prepare. And he always taught that. So, Guys, we want you to join us. Uh, we want you to get to Twitch and get hooked up. It's free. And then you can stream with us every week. We are literally building the largest gathering of BYU fans around the entire world. And Twitch allows us to interact in real time with each other. So that's why we're on Twitch. Uh, ysguys.com is where everything is. Look for YouTube clips, our podcast, and all of the stuff, the calendars and everything that we're all about. Uh, and then what we really do want you to do, though, is uh, get hooked up to Twitch so you can live stream with us starting next week. And I like the chaplain, uh, uh, chaplain Brett Peterson said, if we know the peanut butter is safe, then I should at least be allowed to snack on that. Maybe. I, I, no, I, you know what? You just I go, love you, his enthusiasm. You, you, you just go. You just go to be to what works, right? <laughs> so, and you know what the other th you know the thing other thing we like about live streaming, like if we were doing a regular show, we would have they would have counted us out on yeah. the second at eight o'clock, and it's eight o five, and we're still just going on. But we are going to get out of here. We are going to get out of here. We are going to get out of here. We're going to be back here next week with an all new show. We'd love to see you streaming with us. And until then, watch for all that stuff on social media. We love our set. It's ready for the Big 12. We got 14, 15 months to get ourselves ready for the Big 12 you and get this get show ready. ready for the Big 12. Bring, bring, bring your friends next time on the chat. For Blaine, I'm Dave. And for our crew here at an undisclosed location in Provo, Utah, we don't <laughs> disclose it for security it's, reasons. It, because it's a bunker. Because We're it's in a, a bunker. bunker. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you. Uh, on social media, and we'll see you back here next week with a lot of new stuff and the great quarterback quiz. Yeah, we'll do the quarterback quiz next week. It's All on. Right. See ya.